This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elkshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Hey friends, today's podcast was recorded at Wayne Endicott's farm, owner of the Bow Rack at an Elk Shape Camp in 2022. I have so many guests on this podcast, I'm not going to be able to even remember them all. Pretty much the entire team, all of subject matter experts and some special guests. So we got Iron Will Bill, Joel Turner, Jason Phelps, Jason Cole, Mike Merrill, Jeff Bynum, and a bunch of other guys on here. So it's a fun listen, several different topics covered. It's a longer podcast. Um, no F-bombs, but definitely some um, advanced language for here and there. Apologize for that, but I, I, we didn't edit it out. Kept it real. But all in all, just appreciate your support uh, this time of year. It's like just a few months away, and we'll be really starting to dig in on fine-tuning our craft as elk season approaches. Hope you guys are getting after it every day. Without further ado, this is the Elk Shape Podcast. Enjoy. In the same, at the same time. And I'm like, okay, so the next morning I go out and I run into this giant grizzly. I mean, this dude is a tank. And I, he, he was so big, he made me nervous. I mean, I, I kind of love grizzly country, you know, but I'm like, I'm by myself with my llamas down there. They're up on the, on the mountain. And I run into this dude and he's like half a mile from the camp. And I'm like, this is, this is not, 
this is not good. This guy is like, I thought it was a moose coming through the willows. That's how big this bear was. It was unbelievable. So anyway, I go back to camp and, uh, next morning I get a text. It just, all it was was red lightning is down. And, uh, and so then they came down on that bear. We stretched it out on the log and, oh, Jesus. So yeah, we went back there and killed the same bear from the year before. And then Brian killed the next morning. So Brian, that guy. So he went up with Ryan and killed the bear and then brought their camp and the bear down. And then the next morning, Ryan and I go back up. I'm fresh. You know, Brian's already been up and down and packed the bear out. So then the next morning we go up, we see Brian's bear that night, kill it. It's three miles around this freaking basin. We killed it or he killed it. And then we get back to camp at like one in the morning with this bear and we got no trees to hang this thing in. We're up on the spine ridge and there's, I mean, we've seen grizzlies, you know, everywhere and, and not to mention the eight black bears we've seen. And, uh, so we're nervous about the meat. And so anyway, next morning we get up pack. We decided we couldn't, well, that's not true. We went after a bear that I missed. It's almost a good thing I missed it. Cause we, I don't know if we could have brought two bears in camp off that mountain. I, I don't know. Not my old ass. And, uh, <laughs> So we rolled off, we rolled off that hill with everything again, go down to camp. It's, you know, it's not that far, two or two and a half miles or so, but it ain't, it ain't easy. Lampers places are never easy <laughs> and, uh, it's off trail. I mean, there's no way up there except through the, you know, through the, through the thick. And, uh, so we get down there and we get back and he's been, he's been fighting off grizzlies ever since we left. He had one come up behind him, like in a, at a tree, like literally not too far from, like not touching distance, but close. And then at camp that night, he had a, we don't know what it was for sure, but, um, a, a prefer probably a small boar or a smaller boar. And he would not take, he would not stop messing with the llamas. He wanted to come over. He wasn't trying to eat them, but he, he just wanted to cross the Creek that we were on the bank of. So he's on one side of the bank, Lampers on the other and Lampers. I don't know. He hooks up his spotting scope. So he hooks up his spotting scope and puts his, his, phone scope on the spine and it's filming this bear like at 50 yards with a 65 millimeter spine scope so it's like i mean you're looking at this bear like so he comes across to tries to come across and ryan had to shoot at him a few times to get, get him to not come so we get back and we decide we had bear meat hanging everywhere we had hides there we had grizzlies in camp we have seven rivers to get out it's getting warm I'm like, oh man, dude, because those guys, we had rafts, we had alpaca rafts, and so they weren't worried. If we get, they were just going to pull the rafts out and float. But I got, long, I'm stuck there, so we're going to have to helicopter me food in, or something's going to have to happen until the water goes. They're not even thinking about poor Mark Livesey. It's like, well, Mark, if you don't make it, we'll we'll come back. We'll bring you some food back in. And so, because when we went in, you know, it's like, um, oh, shin deep cold good fast water we went out dude it was like thigh just under waist deep and that current was we had to do one at a time llamas it was too the string the first time we did it was kind of a mistake because when the water's fast when those llamas are tied together they start wanting to with their packs we had six on that that then we sometimes if it's no, they're all single file, and uh, so we run them single file. Oh yeah, no, they're great. They're really amazing at that. Like, at one time, I, the most we've ever had, we had eighteen in a single string. 
that's a long you string of llamas. Yeah, I got it. We got a big snow picture of coming up yeah. this. Mark, let's same. talk about your. We're, we're going to bring this back to elk hunting because you're recording. <laughs> Guys, welcome. Elk Shape Podcast. We're at Elk Shape Camp. You're going to have a lot of people on this podcast. It's going to be badass. So let's talk about this hunt you're talking about real quick without giving away particulars. We're going to bring it back to elk. So you guys were black bear hunting, and it was like there's a pecking order almost. Like black bears know to stay high and stay out of the G bear's ways. What did you notice that the grizzlies were doing intuitively, instinctually? Why were they down in the valley? What were they waiting for? Well, so, Dan, honestly, I I, I probably had thought that before this hunt, but I never witnessed it until this hunt. So, remember, we're really far in to an area that I would guess that some of these bears have never seen a human. And uh, particularly some of these, these G-bears that just can stay in that remote country. So... What was happening was we were in the bottom along a, a drainage that the snow melt had been gone for a long time and a lot of big flat benches on the river. So these elk were all down in the bottom, just hundreds of elk were down in the bottoms. And uh, we get there and we're seeing a few grizzly tracks here and there, and uh, but not, 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 not outrageous. And we get to camp where we're camped is at the kind of at the mouth of this one drainage that we're hunting bears in. But if you keep going down, there's this giant flat. So when Ryan and Brian went up the hill to chase red lightning, I was by myself. So I went down to the flats to see if I could glass up, maybe catch some bears from that area. And so I go down there and it's a beautiful looking spot. I get set up and I'm just seeing these elk all out there. It was just so really just cool in the spring to see these red coated elk everywhere and all of a sudden, I see this moose coming through the willow trees, and I could just see this black moose coming through this thick willow patch. And then he busts out, and I'm still, I'm still thinking it's a moose. Pulled up my binoculars, and I'm like, that is no moose. <laughs> and uh, he literally, he hung around there a long time, but he was rolling some logs, but he just kept looking back at those elk. And these elk, they're in the same picture. I took some pictures. They're in the same frame, the elk and the bear. And them cows, they, they weren't scared of him, but they were not taking their eyes off of him. And he literally just walked, he just circled them. He just was just hanging out. And my guess, I mean, is that he's waiting. It was about calving season, you know, right before calving season. And he's just waiting down there. So I think those black bears, even though there was a little better food down low where the elk were, they were staying up high because they did not want to come down there and be in that mess. There, there was a lot of grizz sign there, and um, but we saw all of our grizzlies low. And that's not true. We saw one grizzly pretty high on the way in, but not not all that high. But all the bears were really just a few hundred feet, maybe seven hundred fifty feet to a thousand feet below the snow line. Yep. But those elk were just scattered all through the bottom. Okay, we're gonna get everyone on this podcast to yep. give an elk tip. Oh, and I need to get I need an elk tip from you. It can have um, to do with your wheelhouse stuff okay, if you so want or whatever. Okay, like today when we talk, we're here in Oregon, at yeah. Elk Ship, Oregon, and one of the big concerns, I kind of customized the presentation this morning for Oregon a little bit, and one of the biggest tips is that motor vehicle use, right? I'll just give you. So understanding how motor vehicles move in and around your hunt area is really important. So a lot of people, they'll get into a one-dimensional mode of thinking where they'll open up their hunt app of choice and they'll turn on the motor vehicle use layer and they'll think, well, all these colored roads, those are the roads that you can drive on. Well, most of the time that's correct, but 
there are errors there and it's and it's more often than you than you think especially when it comes to motor motorcycle and other types of use so what i was telling these oregon guys because that's a big deal over here there's roads everywhere right and so you study your hunt app number one number two you use cal topo because they've got an incredible motor vehicle use kind of layer. You have to use a couple different things, but you can figure it out. They've got the motor vehicle use click, you know, to activate, but they've also got the geo tagged PDFs, meaning the actual motor vehicle use PDFs that are provided by the national forest. They've got them geo tagged, meaning, um, uh, latitude, longitude pinned so that you can look at the actual map on the location of the, you know, does that make sense? So basically you can look at it on Google earth. Well, it's, it's Caltobo, but it's the same. It's Caltobo, yeah. But so like you can actually look at a real map instead of like, if you ever go get a motor use vehicle map in Idaho, They're it's a white piece of paper with no topography on it. And you kind of have to, it's just like a bunch of squiggle lines. Now you're looking at it with an overlay, overlay and you can, right. that's a good word. And that's the right word. Cause you can kind of do the transparency or the opacity to the right level to where you can actually see where those roads are in real life and know for sure. And in my instance, it's very important to know that I'm not breaking a rule. I mean, everyone's instance, but especially if you have a job in the industry, you really shouldn't be breaking rules at all. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you're, you're doing it for two reasons. One, you want to know you there's nothing worse than going into a hunting area and finding out the road was open you thought was closed. I mean, that's just a bummer, right? Yeah. You've wasted all that time. and all Or you work. find the roads closed that or- you knew. And you meet other hunters who don't know that it's closed. That sucks as well. So Cal Topo has two, they have a motor vehicle um, activation function which color codes all the roads, but they also have those actual PDF maps that you can overlay as a layer. And then the third final check, I always say a three-step process. Number one, hunt app. Number two, Cal Topo. Number three is go to the National Forest. There's a link for OHV and travel management use. If you Google it, you can find it. They've got every national forest in the United States, every single map that they is. you can download them. And then I always print them and do a last, ver- use the complicated to verify. If you take the time to do those three steps in a hunt area. Now I'm saying don't print out the PDF and do a verification if you're just thinking about area. This is when you're trying to commit. You've already looked at it. It looks like something you want to do. You're kind of, you're ready to buy in, do a double check on that. You know, like, so we showed in the camp, we turned on the application, right? We saw the roads that were open. We opened Caltopa. We checked. They actually matched. No problems. Then we activated the PDF. It looked like all the roads were traced. We didn't do it in the course, but then you would download the map to make sure that Caltopo has the most recent version. Yep. And then do a quick verification. Guys, like you said, it's cryptic, but when you've got it laying on the table and your Onyx is open, you can see the roads, and it's not hard to verify real quick. Right. Right. But if you do that, you're not going to run into that problem. You know, last thing I'll say, we'll move on to the next guys. You've got so many things in elk hunting that you've got to deal with that are unknowns, right? You've got to get rid of the things that you can. You've got to eliminate the problems that you can have that are in your control and making a mistake on a motor vehicle use situation or where cars and motorcycles can access and can't. In my opinion, that's just sloppy e-scouting. It is. Because if you do the work, you can figure it out. F- hunting season's so finite, and you have so much time in the off-season pr- to prepare. There's no excuse. It's not, sloppy. Not for this. Not for this level of thing. Now, there's so many other things that are going to get by you, but this, yeah. this should not be one of them. Agreed.
Mark Levesay, Treeline Pursuits. Check him out. He's pretty good looking in real life as well. All right, Smoking Mike Merrill, up. hop on here. So Mike lost a lot of weight in the last couple months. I want to talk to him about his weight loss journey a little bit because so last elk season in 2021, what did you weigh during archery elk season? I was up to about 254 pounds. Okay, so 254. What do you weigh right now? I'm about 210. Okay, so 44 pounds. If I put a 44-pound weight vest on you this coming September, let's say you walk into September 2022 at 210, and I'm like, hey, how much does your backpack weigh? You're like, oh, well, I'm just day hunting. It weighs 35, 40 pounds. I'm like, cool. Strap this 44-pound weight vest also. Would that slow you down? Significantly. So how do you, like, how excited are you to hit 2022 knowing that you're right now in the best shape of your life? I cannot be, I mean, there is, there is no possibility that I could be more excited than today. I feel absolutely dangerous and excited to get up there. So you use the 75 hard as kind of one of your catalysts to do this, right? I did. Okay. So t- give us some takeaways. I mean, we've got 10 minutes per guy, so I want to squeeze as much juice out of you as I can in 10 minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing, and, and I think most people that I've talked to that have gone through 75 hard, the takeaway at the end of all of it is the mental fortitude that you build. The fact that you know that you are in control of the things that you're putting into your body and the way that you move your body every single day. And I think just that discipline, that that structure that actually put some of the things I was already doing into a better format uh, helped me to, to not only maintain health and strength, but it actually, again, got rid of a bunch of the excess weight that I just was not serving me and was in my way. Yep. So what do you think got you up to your highest? Was it just um, over time, like gradually, or like, did you have like just some poor habits? Um, What led to your demise? What lit the switch for you to do something about it? So I, yeah, uh, essentially every year when I, when I go through hunting season, I usually end up about 10 pounds lighter than when the season started because I, you know, put a lot of miles in and, you know, I hike and heavy pack and, you know, I hunt pretty hard. But this particular year when the season was over and I went to step on the scale, I had gained 10 pounds during hunting season. That's never happened to me in my life. And now that I'm 48, I'm realizing like, you know, it is, I'm, I'm working against the clock here. My body is changing because of age, just a normal physical thing that we all have to go through at some point. And you cannot outrun, you cannot outwork out a bad diet. And so I was not watching what I was eating. I, I made the excuse in my own mind that, oh, well, man, I'm, I'm hiking my butt off. I'm running trails. I'm, I'm putting the work in. I can eat what I want. And that's just, that's just a lie that we tell ourselves sometimes. It's lies. It's not true. It's fake news. Okay. So <laughs> if somebody's listening now, who's like, man, um, I have a few pounds I could probably afford to get rid of between now and season. Um, Give us maybe your top five best practices from now until September to arrive in a better version of yourself from a physical, a nutritional, and a mental side as well. Like all those into one. What are the five top things they got to do? So I think the the very first thing, I mean, if, if you're not already, and I was, if you're not moving your body and actually being active and, and taking control and, and being very on purpose for that, I think that's, that's a, a thing that you can fix right away. Um, the second thing, you've got to control what you're putting into your body. And I've never, I had never tracked macros. I didn't know anything about it. I, you know, I'd done crash course diets and lost 20 or 30 pounds in a month, a couple of times. Oh, wow. And, and three, four months later, most of it's back and you're, you're in a worse shape than before you did the crash diet. 
So the difference here is that I actually was making lifestyle changes and discipline changes with, with whatever I brought into my body that absolutely immediately had an impact. I mean, I, I lost a lot of, within probably 30, 40 days, I'd lost 30 pounds. Um, I was working out twice a day, morning and night. I intentionally picked uh, the winter in Utah to do this challenge over the holidays, Christmas, New Year's. Nice. I, mean, I was hosting a New Year's party. I'm making stuffed jalapenos wrapped in bacon that I, my favorite. And I was eating a piece of broccoli in the corner while everybody was enjoying my treats. Nice. So, so I, I, I think what you, what you put into your body, which includes a part of 75 heart is drinking a gallon of water a day. Nice. So I bought a gallon jug. And every, every evening, at the end of the day, I would fill that sucker up, stick it on the counter. And then in the morning when I got up, that's where I went to, to drink my water and to make sure that I got. And a lot of times before lunch, I'd already had a gallon of water. So that was a different thing. Let's make that tip number three. That's just, let's just make that the third thing because yeah. I think that water is, is so overlooked. Okay, what else? Uh, the, the next thing, and I think this, this is what the mental side of 75 Heart is really good at, um, it's just taking control because I've never gone off sugar for any extended period of time. But I mean, for probably a good 90 days, I never had one, one tablespoon of sugar from anything, no added sugar at all. And immediately, uh, within, I would say three to four weeks, I, I didn't have the cravings that I have had for my whole life. Like I didn't want the ice cream. I didn't want the cheesecake. I didn't want any of the garbage that I was used to craving. And so I think just shaking that mental stigma that you're, you want and need that sugar uh, is, is critical. And, and you've got to get past that initial phase before you're ever going to get to that point where you're, you're, you actually can see clearly enough to realize you don't need it and mm. you don't even want it. Yeah. Now sugar's a drug. All right. Last one. And then kind of related this last one to your why. Like what made you flip the switch and be like, line in the sand, I'm doing something. So I, and you know, not to get too personal, but I, so my, my father died of a massive heart attack at 45 years old, Yep, left 13 children and a widow. And, um, you know, I was 13 years old. And so I, you know, I didn't really have a dad to take me around, take me hunting. I loved hunting even at a very young age. I, I, that's all I wanted to do was hunt. And so I didn't have anybody to take me. So I don't want to be in that position where I can't share my love of elk hunting, hunting the mountains, nature, God's creations with those that I love. And so um, just being here present and accountable for not only living and surviving, but actually thriving and really having a meaningful life. uh, I, I just, I've got to be healthy in order to do that. And so, yeah, I live every day like it's a gift and a blessing because it is. And when I do that and I stay present in that focus and that, that goal of, you know, you only get one shot to, on this rock to make the most out of it. And, uh, that's, that's just what I'm doing. So it feels good. And, and, uh, I can't believe looking back that I, I never took control earlier. And, you know, if I could tell anybody anything, it's like, you know, stop waiting, stop making excuses, stop buying your own BS. Right. No doubt. Don't sell yourself short. I like what you got cooking. Where can people follow you on Instagram? Yeah, it's just Michael T. Merrill is uh, just all one word there. I've been following you forever. I followed you because I thought there's no way this guy's really that positive. Uh, 
there's no way this guy's really this enthusiastic. Eventually, I'm going to f- catch him in, in a lie. <laughs> you just can't be that cool, that nice, that pot. And I've been around you twice now in real life. It's just like you're a rare duck, man. You're so positive and so genuine and so unique compared to the rest of the world. So keep doing what you're doing, man. You're a bright light in this world that can be dark sometimes. So thank you for being you. I appreciate you, brother. And I'm attracted to you for the same reason. He's attracted to me. You heard that. You're legit. It's it's, it's man love. Man love. Good. (laughs) Jason, get your photo because you're up next. Jason Cole. He's here at the camp snapping images, capturing some of the goodies. We got a... He never gets to be on podcasts as far as I know. Have you ever been on a podcast? He's done a couple. He's done a few. He's got his own. What's up, Jason Cole? What's going on? Hey, I sent you that program, but I don't remember which one I sent. Was it the Imam 30 Day? Yeah. Okay. I dare you to do it 30 days straight. I've been doing it at the end of uh, kind of my work. Yeah. But I've slipped uh, the past three days. I know it's an MFR because I did all the workouts before I like put it on the internet. Uh, have, which ones have you done? Has one stood out to you yet? Uh, day five, I think. Okay. I got it. Oh, pull it up. Yeah. So the structure of that program is kind of like, all right, pick a skill. Here's your skill. I want you to not worry about, you know, it's structured. So it's an EMOM. It's interval based. The work rest ratios are specific, but you're going to get better at this skill. And then you move right into like a volume piece where I'm picking certain movements that I want you to slowly be able to add more volume to. And it's very much against the clock and it's very, it's pretty anaerobic. And then the last piece is threshold where, man, I'm going to test you on this last part of the EMOM where you're, you're going to get tested if you can hold good for you. And it's scalable up or down weight rep sets because everyone's different. Fitness wise, so what's day five? Day, it's actually day six. Okay, it's uh, the skill is five minutes every minute on the minutes, five bar muscle ups, which I struggle with badly. Okay, um, next is the volume, it's 10 minutes every minute on the minute. It's sandbag bear hug squats, which are absolute crushers. Uh, anchored weight sit ups again, crushers. So that's the EMOM where one minute you're doing a bear odd hug, even. Odd, even the next minute you're doing the anchored sit-ups. Yeah. How many sit-ups did we prescribe? Uh, 10. 10. Okay. So you're doing... And those 10. are weighted. Yeah. Yeah. Weighted sit-ups. Okay. So you you get through that and then you think, oh, okay. Yep. That's good. Nope. The threshold just kills you because you're 16 minutes every minute on the minute. Alternating dumbbell snatches, uh, one arm thruster, right arm, or sorry, 10 dumbbell, one arm thruster, and then 10 on the opposite arm on the left. And you just cycle through that for 16 minutes. Nice. And when you when the 16 minutes comes to an end, you lay on the on the gym floor. Yeah, for a little while. Yeah, I remember doing that workout. So on the bar muscle ups, if you don't got bar muscle ups, there's a way for you to set a box up to where you can jump, pull up, and go into your dip. And you could do five jumping bar muscle ups, and you can manipulate the height of the box. Right. Based on where your skills at, you can do a banded bar muscle up if you have bands. Um, or if you're like Jason, you could probably put a weight vest on and do five bar muscle ups, right? Like you probably need extra weight. No, no. The fun thing about me though is, so I've never actually had a coach really on CrossFit. No, I'm all self-taught. Okay. I'm, you know, YouTube, watch you on Instagram, YouTube, you know, Rich Froning, whoever, watch the movement, watch the movement, watch the movement, go to the gym, try it, try to figure out the movement, you know, each 
and videotape myself. I record myself. Huge. I'm the weirdo at the gym every morning with his phone set up taking what most people consider probably selfies. Yeah. I'm also not shy to put it on my Instagram story because guys like you will comment and be like, hey. Well, I actually won't make a negative comment on anyone's because... If you're listening, don't coach me on the internet when it comes to archery or working out. Not that I know it all. It's just that I have a coach. I have an archery coach. You do. I have a training coach. That's who I listen to. So I I feel, I mean, ballsy to put it out there, but it's also cool that you're comfortable in your own skin to be like, hey, I'm putting myself out there. I'm doing this movement. How's it look? And people chime in and. Right. And I've got CrossFit coaches, you know, that are in Texas or wherever that follow me because of my cool pictures or whatever. And they'll chime in and be like, a oh, little too wobbly today. Yep. Going to want to work on that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like uh, yesterday, I got uh, four different CrossFit coaches that told me my normal back squat at 285 was just as solid as solid could be. Oh, good. Nice. Heels didn't leave the ground. So when you get something like that, that really, I guess that's inspiring to keep, you know, putting those videos out there. Sure. Because then someone else could see them and go, hmm saving that. I need that. Yeah. That's great. So your fitness journey, uh, you do functional fitness. How long have you been getting after it? uh, Just over six years. Six years. Very cool. And you train at a home gym or at a local? At a a local gym. Local gym. It's not a CrossFit gym. It's just a functional. It's it's just an anytime fitness. Oh, very nice. Uh, How long have you been um, filming and taking photos? Like I noticed you've been filming for Phelps quite a a bit the last few years. I know you followed Lampers around in the backcountry. We've talked, that's who Mark was referring to, guys listening earlier in the podcast was um, that. So how long have you been doing videography and photography? I'd say more on the, the actual like getting after it side, probably the last four years. Okay. And I'm trying to, you know, kind of why I'm sitting here today is because I've always liked you, and it's I've always wanted, I guess, kind of come be a nerd for Rub you some with elbows. the camera. Yeah, you know. Well, I'm here to learn as well. What are you shooting on an A7? R3. R3. Very cool. So that camera's kind of built for more photography versus videography, but it does do videography as well. Lens-wise, you got a 24 to 70. Yep. The G series. You're a Sony guy. Did you? Were you always a Sony guy? I picked up Sony, so I went into the camera store. So my dad was into photography when I was a kid. Yeah. And so I decided that I'm always out, like, tooling around the woods with the dog, you know, whatever. I just wanted to document my adventures. So I went to the camera store, you know, and looked at cameras, and Sony was the easiest. It was dummy-proof. Yep. And so that's what I ended up with was a an A6000. Yeah. So that quickly got sold. <laughs> And then A7. I know how this goes. Yeah. So it just a. It's a rabbit hole. And it's now all my free money pretty much goes to camera stuff. Your mom battled cancer. How long was the battle? Still battling. Tell us, take us through that. Because that shit's heavy when you're trying to do real life and you got that going on. Yeah. Super heavy. So uh, my mom's been battling cancer two years now. And uh, someone that you know in the industry, Kendall Card. I was kind of floating and dancing with this whole 75 hard thing, right? Had no, I was doing some of it, but I wasn't doing all of it. So can we break down 70 hard, 75 hard requirements daily real quick? So it's workout twice a day, two, one, two 45 minute workouts, two 45 minute selfie, workouts. read uh, a selfie, like can, a selfie in the mirror, yep, like yep. just to document progress, picture. accountability picture, okay. down water and no cheat meals, no alcohol. So no booze, no booze, no cheat meals. And then aren't you supposed to do something like read or something? You read what? 10 pages from a paper book. 
No ebooks. No, no ebooks. No. So no bullshit. No, Just no straight comic up real books. books. Ten pages. That is. And that's Andy Frisella. Yeah, yeah. Who's like mother f and f and mother f f and f. Oh, there you go. Hey, I, that's great. Uh, okay, so those that listen, they haven't heard. Seventy-five hard to me sounds like a great idea for anyone. But as it, you were, it is. It, it's life changing. And so for me, it was not too long after finding out my mom had cancer. I come home one day to a book on my front doorstep from Kindle Card. I'm like, hmm, this is the sign. So head just head into it. I went. 75 hard. And so that was at the height of my mom's cancer battle and she had to have surgery. And so I was juggling a full-time job, photography, having to go and change my mom's bandages, take her to doctor's appointments and do 75 hard. It'll change everything you know of of you as a person. It'll make you want it more. Everything, everything, everything. It'll make you want everything more. Being here today makes you want it more. Working with Joel Turner, it's going to make you want it more. You'll stop and appreciate a cloud in the sky on a rainy day. You won't piss and moan about it. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. I mean, I'm inspired just listening to that. Um, So where's your mom now, up to date? Uh, So up to date, uh, in September, as I headed to New Mexico to film a hunt, uh, I was sitting in a Walmart parking lot, got the news she was cancer-free. October, got the news the cancer was back and it was in her brain. I guess just more or less just looked at it like this is like, okay, cool. We'll beat it again. We is in her and I, my dad, my family, we'll beat it again. So super sweet yesterday. She had a scan. The cancer is shrinking and there's no new cells. Hmm. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. Very cool. It seems like, uh, with my mom and her cancer, it always follows my photography. It's like, oh, I was on a bear hunt with Jason when I got the bad news. It seems like every hunt it's like, I go on, I either get good news or bad news. Today, well, I, showing up to this was like... Pretty good news, man. Good news. All right. She can battle on. That's this heavy stuff. I know it's not comfortable for everyone to talk about, so I respect that you're willing to share it because I think it's important to be as transparent as possible in a world that doesn't really, you know, seem to get enough of that real real life stuff in there. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people probably, they don't, everybody's full of excuses, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody's got an excuse. I still have excuses, but that's kind of the my driving force now is it's like I wake up every day and just look at it as, well, it could be worse. Just go do it. It's hard. Just go do it. One thing I noticed is that you and um, I got to get to the next guy, but uh, you and Mike both have a habit of training first thing in the morning because, you know, there's not a lot of bosses that ask you to stay late when it's 5 a.m. There's not a lot of wives that call you and say, hey, honey, can you run to the store and grab milk and eggs at 5 a.m.? There's not a lot of soccer kids soccer games going at 5 a.m. I kind of noticed these best practices is just to wake up and effing do it. Just go Go do it. Get it done. It sets the uh, it sets the standard for your day. So two things: you wake up, you make your bed in the morning. You've created you've you've already created positivity. You've won the trophy for the day. One simple task: you made your bed. You'll find yourself going, yeah. Look at me. Yep. Look at me. Yep. Go work out. If the job that day that you go to, if your wife, whatever, if something bothers you, you're gonna find yourself going, oh well, he cut me off, you know, or my boss is making me work late. Oh well. Because you've already set yourself up for success. 100%. So getting it done in the morning is, I think, the most important time to do it. And it's your time. Because guess what? You're not going to text me and just be like, hey, you got that photo from Elk Shape Camp? 
Not at 5 a.m. No, because you're going to hopefully be thinking the same thing I am. I'm not bugging that guy at 5 a.m. Yep, that's, that's a fact. It's kind of your time, I guess. So, mm. yeah. Where can people follow you? Uh, Instagram, Jason.Cole, K-O-H-L. Yep. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah, I appreciate having, having you. Can't yeah. wait to look forward to these photos you're taking. Looking forward to sharing them. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have Jimmy G back on. Jimmy is living in Wisconsin. He is the owner of Orion Medical Consulting, but you can just refer to them as Jimmy Kits. Jimmy, welcome back to another Elk Shape Camp. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me, brother. That's an honor. I think you're like the nicest guy I've ever met in the whole, like ever. Uh, Mike's pretty like positive and stuff, and then you guys are battling right now for who's the <laughs> nicest guy. And well, let's arm wrestle. That's right. Who is gonna show their true colors? Yeah. <laughs> You can't be that nice all the time. Eventually, one of you guys is going to like show me a sign of, no, seriously, you guys are so nice. So how's Jimmy Kitts going, man? It's it's going really well. You know, it's uh, it's been a, this was actually a, a, a product that was actually a, a birth that came out of Elk Shape Camp back, right. in, back in uh, last year at Corbin's Archery. And we've gotten to the point now where we're you know, sourcing directly from our manufacturers now getting almost like the kind of like the farm to table. It's, it's the same way on the medical side. So we can get kits in people's hands, especially now with everything going on. It's, it's so much more in people's, in people's mind to actually carry their kits. And our, our big thing is just getting them, getting them to them at this point. Cool. So get a Jimmy kit and then learn how to use it and then put it in the same place in your pack that you always do and tell your hunting partner where that Jimmy kid is. Is it that hard? I mean, what else am I missing? Nope. That's exactly it. You know, it's everyone always talks to me about like, well, Hey, what's the first, what's the best first aid kit out there? And you know, like part of me is like, well, it's my kit, but at the same time, you know, it's the one you have and the one you know how to use. Oh, yeah. So many times I, I've been in situations where, you know, either responding on the side of the road or more recently I was on a flight, uh, flying out of Atlanta and there was a medical emergency on the on the plane. And I don't like throwing that out there. I'm like, well, there's got to be somebody on this plane, you know, and kind of peered up the aisle. And I'm like, all right, there's nobody Looks that's, like you're that's up to going. Back. It's like, all right. So I go up there and, you know, I'm just talking to this this person that's sitting up in, the, you know, sitting a couple rows ahead of me. And I get the stewardess comes by and just throws, literally throws an aid kit and says, I don't know what's in here. And just throws it. It just hits me and just falls on the ground. And, no you know, way. yeah, it's true story. So yeah. at, at that point, I'm like, okay, this is a systemic problem where people, they view it as an, an insurance policy where I have it. Therefore, it's automatically, if there's an emergency, it's just going to, ma- the bleeding's just magically going to stop. I mean, all bleeding stops eventually, but at the same time, it behooves you to know how to use that, whatever you are carrying and knowing, yeah. putting it in at the same, I mean, it would be like, it would be like, MFJJ building me the ultimate bow, but if he doesn't show me how to use it, he could have it. It's of no use to me, True. regardless of the the high quality that's there, because I don't have, I don't possess the education and the tactile reps to be able to make the equipment work for right. my end state. Now that's true. Uh, so you and your wife are working on the business. You yep. are currently a physician's assistant. That is correct. Yep. In the ER. You also still have contract with the military, right? Yep, still still in the National Guard, so still getting my still getting my reps in there. So yep, done some things overseas. We won't talk about 
because we can't, but you, you have a lot of combat experience. Yep, absolutely. So I had six deployments overseas. And one of the, you know, I think one of the biggest things that, that it taught me about was one, that the longer I've been in this, the more I find out that I don't know, you know, especially when it comes to medicine, I'm always learning something new, keeping those reps in. But what deployment taught me, and you know, you're talking about positivity is just perspective. I think that is the one thing that the military really instilled in me is like one, your day can always get worse. Yep. And it's really the only thing that I can control is what happens between my ears. And I think that can be applied not just to life, but hunting in general. I mean, how many times do you, you, you know, you work all this time for basically having, you know, one or just a couple shot opportunities and you blow it and you're like, oh, you just want to set all your stuff on fire right there on the mountain and just like there. walk it off. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I missed that time. Why did I miss and now it's like worry about the next shot because that's the only thing that I can that's the only thing that I can do something about. And you know, one of the other things that I learned on those deployments was I needed to be very judicious with what I carried in my equipment selection because whatever I carried was going on my back. Yep. So and that was in addition to ammo, that was in addition to water. I weigh I stepped on the scale with all my combat equipment on and I was 295 pounds with everything. And that's, you know, that's walking up and down mountains. That's jumping through grape rows. And then at the same time, that's you have to be able to to get your casualty, you know, off of the X and get them either onto a helicopter or an extended long patient carry. <laughs> well, I'm excited for you. Backcountry medicine is a thing. Jimmy kits. We're going to start selling them on elkshape.com soon. Yep. I'm still waiting to hear from you guys on that, but things are rolling out and it would be, it would behoove you to get those in your hands sooner than later. Get some reps. You guys are going to offer some digital resources so people yep. can learn how to use everything in the kit and then put them in there and make sure your partner got, gets one. It's not a bad idea to hand your hunting partner one as well. So two is might be one. If you have a hunting partner, that's like, maybe they're a cheap ass and they're like, I don't, uh, I'll just get some band-aids and a couple of bottles of Advil. No, get the tourniquet, get the Sam splint, get the whole kit. It's usually what, like around 150 bucks and maybe get your hunting partner one as well. It could just very well save your life and extend your longevity. You owe it to your hunting partner and their family. You owe it to your family to come back safe. Where can people follow you on Instagram? So either at uh, Jimmy Grunwald, my first name, last name, and Orion Medical. We're on both. Perfect. Hey, Cameron, you're jumping back on. Here we go. So Cameron was on the podcast, I don't know, a couple months ago. He lives in Oregon. He, out of the kindness of his heart, offered to come help out at Elk Shape Camp, which today it turns out you're flipping burgers for the campers, but wherever we see fit. Thank you for your help and volunteering. I really appreciate it. Uh, well, last time we had you on the podcast, man, you were talking about some pretty big goals. How are you doing so far on your goals? And what are you excited about in 2022? I'm um, excited to get back to Idaho and, and get out there hunting again. I got uh, North Idaho elk tag this year. You did. Um, so Congrats. Going to the same places I've been going the last few years and be hunting Oregon too. Um, as far as my goals, I... As far as uh, eating healthy has not been going super well for me. Um, yeah. I've been having a hard time staying on track with that, but uh, tomorrow's a new day. And really today is a new day because, you know, the I can tell myself, uh, you know, I'll start working on something tomorrow. But a lot of times when I'm ready to make a change, I try to just make it instead of pushing that off. So I need, need to get that going. 
Um, I know how to do it. I know how to eat healthy. I know how to make the good choices. I just need to make sure I'm staying disciplined, right? That's the big thing. It's doing something for one day isn't going to make a difference. And so I just need to work a little bit harder at that. I have been working out a lot though. So I haven't, uh, step away from that. I usually hit the CrossFit gym, like somewhere between two to five times a week. I play ice hockey about three times a week. Oh yeah. So that's good work out there too. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm super excited for this season. I want to, uh, continue to try to work on my diet and, and get to where I want. I'd really love to get down to 200 pounds. Um, if I could get down there, um, according to like in body scans that I've done, that would be right around 15% body fat. Okay. And that's just a place that I have not been uncharted territory really long time since I can remember. And it's always a joke with my group of friends that I will run them ragged. And so if at 230 pounds and you know, 30% body fat, I can run skinny people ragged. I can only imagine if I can get down there, the sky's the limit. And so, I really want to do that. And a couple of changes that uh, we're going to work on this year, um, which is from your advice, we're uh, getting dirt bikes. We normally only have quads, um, but there's a lot of single track in North Idaho, as you know. And so we are getting dirt bikes this year, try to open up a few more trails and stuff, places we couldn't get before. Yeah. Um, Riding in the dark with your bow on the back up a single track trail in North Idaho. You better, you got to wear a helmet and you got to have the practice I started late in life with a dirt bike. Actually, I only got a dirt bike because I wanted to kill an elk. And so I had to spend an entire summer getting coached up on how to really ride technical stuff because you can't really afford to crash when your bow's on your... You can't have a bow in your hand when you ride a dirt bike up a nasty, rutted out, rocky, you know, North Idaho dirt bike trail. You just can't. And so when you crash, you probably should have a backup bow at the truck and you shouldn't just, just don't crash. You know what I mean? And some of those trails are really hard. Sometimes you got to get off the bike and just let the bike, you know, so you be careful. It, yeah. I'm, I rode dirt bikes as a kid, but it's been so long Yeah, that I plan on buying my bike at like end of May, beginning of June. And there's a whole bunch of trails up here. And so my goal was to at least go out like a dozen times and just yeah. go trail ride for fun, um, with nothing on my back and try to get in the, in the hang of it. And I've rode a lot of street bikes and stuff, but that's just totally different whole different ballpark so definitely i'm on the same page as you need to get did you gear. buy your bike yet no i'm gonna buy it in a, probably into maybe into june so i'm kind of on the fence on what i'm gonna get right now so this is a question i get a lot so i'd love to hear what you're so looking at. my my plan right now is to get a brand new crf 250f which is a 250 air cooled um it's, it's a little bit cold yeah it's not it's uh instead of being liquid cooled right so wow, I didn't even know they made air cooled bikes anymore. Yeah, so it's five grand, brand new, and you know with the cost of used bikes right now, I'm kind of leaning towards just getting a new one. Yeah. So yeah, that's the plan. I might jump up to a 450, just because I have a lot of friends that go to the dunes and stuff too, and so I've thought about that. But I think I'm just going to get the 250F, and you know next year if I want to get a bigger bike, I can. But yeah, um, electric start, and you know, so all I have to do is hook a light up on it. And, and so it you hit kind of all the hot spots. I like electric start for sure, hundred percent. Um, I freak out when people are like, I want to get a 450 and ride dunes to me. Like I'd rather not have fun riding dunes and have everything working because I don't <laughs> yeah. want to miss an elk season. Like I'm super paranoid about riding dirt bikes for, like, I don't ride dirt bikes for fun. I don't, uh, I only use them as a tool to get to places that most people can't. The, the air cold is huge just because I mean, North Idaho, it's your one alder from piercing your liquid that cools the bike 
And then what are you going to do? That's just one last thing you have to worry about. Uh, they're pretty dependable. A little cold to start, but imagine the 250, I think, is the sweet spot. How tall are you? So I'm 5'6", and that's the other thing. Uh, Kawasaki and Yamaha's, their equivalent bikes are two to three inches taller than yep. the Honda. Yep. So that was one selling point on that bike. And also, I have a good buddy that works at a Honda dealership. So, um. I think you're in business, brother. <laughs> well, I'm excited for you. Thanks for coming on. Don't forget, he's going to tag us in a photo 30 days out. We're going to keep him like on the up and up on getting to his goal because uh, he advertised it. He was. I love your honesty. I love your transparency. You can tell that. I'm like, you're just, you're a guy that was like, not making excuses. Hey, I've been I've been eating like shit. I'm training, but I'm eating like shit. And we heard you. We encouraged you, but it's ultimately up to you. I, I hope that you tag us in 30 days with a progress report. Sounds great. Okay, man. MFJJ Josh Mother Trucking Jones MTFF. What up? Hey. Uh, so Josh is here, kind of on vacation. Kind of was like, hey, man, can I roll with you to camp? And I was like, I mean. Yeah, the the the, the invitation is always there, uh, but uh, I mean, there's so many dudes at this camp. I'm not sure what uh, what you're gonna do, and I think we already both agree. We kind of wish we would have brought MFJJ bow press, MFJJ yeah. tools. Because... Yeah, if I had if I had enough sense about it, thought about it uh, ahead of time, and if uh, in a, in an ideal world. Um, I would have bought brought a press and draw board and tools and all that equipment because I could honestly just go through every bow while I'm here while they're doing other stuff. It should be a huge value. I would assume to have a know. guy look at your stuff. Well, some people don't want other people want, want you to touch your stuff too. So I mean, but that would just be a hey. If anybody doesn't want me to mess with their bow, let me know. Other than that, I'll work through them. I saw you tuning. Well, we can't say much, but I saw you tuning Joel Turner's son's bow. Uh, he had two of them. That we can't the say anything else was more off. than really. Um, of what kind, but I've but, made some adjustments and corrected the wheel lean. And if we get out of here with enough time, we may run by the, the bow rack and use their paper tuner and check. So them. let me get this straight. The Vegas, the world champion Vegas shooter, his dad brought you his bows to, to look at. Is that what you're saying? Don't uh, you that's think, what, that's what happened. Your shit yeah. must be feeling hey, pretty hot a, right now. I can't hear you in this. So you're it, not gonna. Oh, okay, cool. Last time I remember hearing your voice, so it kind of threw me off. Yeah, we're mobile today. Oh, it's all good. But all I'm good. still talking shit. Yeah, yeah. He uh, <laughs> he, he he had some, he had a a point tear issue that he couldn't correct, and brought him with him, and asked if I'd take a look at him. And so the first well half hour, forty five minutes, we were here. I tore them both apart and put them back together, and moved some stuff around to try to make them straight. And they look like they're lining up right. But like I said, I don't have my tools here, so I can't verify it. I can only drop back and eyeball it, but I got pretty straight eyes. So I think we'll be all right. So one of our goals tonight is to get you to secure a website domain that you don't own, but you need to own MFJJ.com. We're trying to get you yeah. to bid on that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd, be a, that that'd be a hard one to not have in my personal scenario. You know, a four-letter domain that is actually my nickname. That'd be that'd be nice to have. Yeah. 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 It's a f- yeah. Why why ain't this done already, Mark? Come on. <laughs> I know it would have been a quarter. <laughs> Somebody owns it though. Somebody owns it, and they haven't used it, and they're willing to sell it. So we'll see what I end up having to pay for it. But hopefully, it ain't too bad. Tonight we're gonna have you, or actually tomorrow we're gonna have you and Wayne. I think Wayne. 
if he's available. But I doubt it. But definitely you, just to do stand up there and do some Q&A on setups. You just got to sit in on Iron Will Bill's lecture. He's not here, so we can totally talk behind his back. Yeah. Uh, how'd it go? I've heard it before several times, but I really like it. We're about 95% in agreement. Yeah. Um, there were some uh, a couple of things that we'll talk about later that wasn't in front of the class that I'm like, all right, well, did you do this? Did you check that? Did you check that? But in, in, all, um, in all reality, the stuff he was saying is within line of what I tell people. We disagree on a couple of small things, but they're pretty small. Uh, and he's very smart. He yeah. knows what he's doing, and he's right. Whatever he's saying is really, really right. I think there's a, a little argument to be had on overall physical weight of what he variables he thinks are okay versus not. Because um, I, I think there's an optimum position, I, and his variable acceptance is broad, but that may also be... Uh, his public discussion, and I'll ask him privately what he, what exactly. I mean, do you really feel you like this is acceptable? Yeah, I'll be there. For yeah, I don't want to put him on the spot or nothing. And I, I felt I, I, I forgot to say something to him because so I was like, I'm going to sit on on what you say because I want to know what you think. Um, so I hope Just I didn't catch him, him off guard props. by sitting in the back of his class like, oh, oh yeah, his man. I do want to uh, give him props. Like, yeah, he's a guy who's an engineer, but first and foremost, a bow hunter. Forty years of bow hunting, and he makes broadheads. In the U.S., that's pretty cool, and he hasn't sold out to like like m- how many broadhead manufacturers have like sold their broadhead company to a conglomerate and then that shit gets overseas. Uh, almost everyone. There's uh, there, I think there's three or four that you know. There's some that you probably don't know, or like maybe if there's six of us sitting at a table, one of us has heard of it, and the other five haven't. Right. Those are probably still U.S. made. Yep. But if you've all heard the name, there might be three of them that are still U.S. made, um, one of which you shoot, one of which is here talking. And I'm trying to remember the other one, but I know there's at least three that are still 100% U.S. Sure made, U.S. More. built. Um, most of them aren't. Most of them are imported pieces. And he's got very valid points. I mean, the 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 hard part about his product is it's for it's a very high end product, and it's higher than everything else you walk into a store and look at. Yep. And uh, there's a reason. And if you would just listen to what he said, you'd understand what the reason is, and it would make more sense, and it would probably be less intimidating as to why it's, you know, thirty dollars or thirty five dollars ahead, which I talked to him earlier today and said you're not charging enough because he doesn't have enough margin because the quality of steel that he's using is very expensive it's way more expensive than anybody else's steel almost everybody uses 440 steel in their product and that's cheap and that's why they use it because they figure it's a disposable product bill's not making a disposable product he's making a an authentically reusable product and that's the difference and that's what you're paying for Assuming you find your broadhead after it goes sailing through an elk lengthwise and goes forty yards past it, like he, like he said. Damn straight, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna <laughs> get a metal detector. Dig the, dig in the mountains for that bitch. I'm gonna go find with the it. llama guy. We're gonna pack in a metal detector. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that thirty five dollar broadhead. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, no, he's 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 a great guy. I I love Grim Reapers. I'm gonna keep pushing Grim Reapers for that price point. Yeah, yeah, but it's the average guy's cost broadhead. I am going to use the wides this year on bears, spring bears specifically. I saw McDonald, Brandon McDonald, love you to death, buddy, but that your shot on that bear was not perfect, mm-hmm. and that that wide got him an artery he wouldn't have gotten yeah. without. Yeah, and that bear died very fast. And bears are soft. Yeah, you know, they're old, not tough. Big old bag of jello. Big old bag of jello. Just yeah. uh, I want a big old hole. They just they got spongy hair, soaks up all the blood, and yeah. um, I just love bear hunting. I got a lot of bear hunting to do this year. So do you though, right? Well, you well just... yeah, one hundred percent. And if we're not if we're not hunting bears, we're not doing our job because you can't go kill 
you know, non-predators without going and killing predators. And if you're not killing more predators than non-predators, you are not doing your job. So Here. everybody should bear hunt. Every, everyone should bear hunt. Everyone should hunt coyotes. Everyone should hunt cougars. Everyone should hunt things with teeth that eat meat. Because you want to eat meat. So the more things that are eating meat along with you are taken away from what yours is. So you, there's not enough people that spend enough time or enough effort on that. Yeah. We'd have a much more balanced system if we'd all do our part instead of 10% of us doing our part. I feel that. Um, so you are going to hunt Idaho for bears? Yeah. Okay. Montana? No, I'm not going past Idaho just because of time. Right yeah, now. no doubt. Uh, at some point, I will. That's good. Maybe next year, I'll add a third state. But I'm hunting Washington, Idaho for bears. Mike drew you drew a bear tag in in Utah for spring. That's I can't believe that's a draw, but it is. Uh, well, most of those things are draws because of political pressure, not actual. It's tough. Yeah. Science. And then Washington State, our state that we both live in, unfortunately, uh, did we get that bear spring bear season back? As, well, far, I never... as far as I know, no, and it was completely removed for political reasons with zero science backing when the science actually shows that it's necessary, right. but special interest user groups didn't want it, so they took it away. And there was some appointing going on there yeah. that really yeah. put people in position to, to, be able to, do that. to be able to do that. Yeah, that's yeah. tough. Uh, and then... Leading up to, I just want to give you a couple minutes on what you're up to. Like you and I sell a lot of stuff on our websites mm-hmm. together. You People don't always know this, but you do all my fulfillment mm-hmm. and you carry more SKUs than I do. Mm-hmm. But we work together because we semi-like each other. Yeah, we're tolerable. And um, <laughs> I love this guy. Don't get it twisted. Josh is my people. But uh, you've been really working on your uh, your YouTube channel. So what's your mm-hmm. YouTube channel? Podiumarcher.com is my YouTube channel. And uh, the hope in the next three to six months is I'll have hired enough people that I can spend more time making content and less time being in the shop. So that's the goal and that's the hope. Um, so hopefully hopefully the numbers of videos that I make are more elaborate, longer, more specific on tasks. I want to make more stuff on teaching you how to do stuff more than I just want to, you know, test content and show you product. You know, I want to actually Education. educate you. That's yeah, my goal. That's huge. That's yeah. cool, man. Well, I appreciate you being here. We're going to push you to work a lot tomorrow. And uh, you guys go check out at Podium Archer on Instagram as well. Thanks, guys. Jeffrey Bynum, at Bynum Life. Your five elk-shaped camps. You've been to four out of the five years. How's this one going? You know, the first couple of years, we had a few camps where you could tell people were there for more of the entertainment factor. And I think that over the last five years, a lot of that's been weeded out. And the people that are here are thirsty. So... Yeah. I'm seeing it. Very green camp. We yeah. say 95% have never killed an elk with a bow. That's yep. kind of that's kind of new to us. Like, this is the first year we've had a lot of green guys. Seemed like, you know, we had a lot of more seasoned folks looking to maybe have more consistency in their success, but they've had success. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one's completely green yep. for the most part. A couple people have killed, but what's that tell you? Man, I... I... I think that uh, people are starting to figure out that if they want to be consistently successful in the elk woods, they need to get educated and, and that people are realizing that this is an addiction, but a healthy one. And uh, so they're coming to their, they're coming to their dealer. Like this is, this is where they're getting their, their crack, (laughs) their elk crack. Yeah, I would agree. I think that when you, first off, I don't know where else you can get this many subject matter experts in one place at one time. You know, where when you have eight, nine, ten subject matter experts, the fire hose is wide open, full of knowledge. It's up to you to really get what you need to get out of it. Like, 
most people on Monday after the camp are like a little bit overwhelmed. They're like, okay, I don't know where to start. And that's my challenge as the kind of host of this thing is like, how do, can I get these guys and gals to take small, to eat this elephant one bite at a time? So what's your advice for like anyone who's ever come to a camp or going to come to a camp or maybe not, but they've been overwhelmed with this knowledge. How do you start chipping away? Well, I mean, I'm not new to elk hunting. I'm I'm somewhere between the guys at this camp and, you know, killers like yourself killed some elk, had some success, helped a lot of people kill elk. But for me this year, the thing that's changed is that bite-sized piece. And honestly, it's Mark and, you know, his e-scouting and his commitment to the craft outside of season that, that kind of changed the game for me. You know, he, I can't remember what camp he told us, but he's like, dude, 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day. And I've heard you talk about it. And, you know, a lot of times we hear people say things and we're just like, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. It's a, that's a cool little catchphrase or something like that. <laughs> and coming out of the last camp, I've set my alarm at 5 or 5.30 every day. And I wake up, I do a little bit of reading, and then I create 30 minutes a day of e-scouting. And my like my world has been rocked. And uh, and so for me, it's, it's that consistency, just little tiny bite-sized pieces every single day that's completely changing my game. Hmm. What, like, what, because Mark's not here. Yeah. And we can talk total smack about him. Yeah. Like, what are com- some of, like, the things that are just like, holy crap, I can't believe I didn't know that. I mean, we're not, g- you can't give away his whole course because I... You well, can't. I haven't even finished it. Like I'm only, Seriously. I'm only halfway in, and I'm like, I'm having to stop and rewatch stuff, and my mind's just being blown. Like, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Doing, I'm, yeah, I'm doing polygons, hunt plans. Uh, Coming up with like these little radius, like like these little circles on your map that show uh, your average guy's going to probably go two miles. All right, and then you start adding those radius throughout your maps, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh everyone's going to come in at these elk from these different ways, but ain't nobody coming at them from over here. Like that's the, that was like the, one of the biggest things I got away from his course right at the gates was like understanding points of pressure. Like I knew everyone wanted the most primo campgrounds and you've seen it in all your North Idaho elk hunting. You've hunted in Wyoming, man. Everyone's always out to get like the sickest camping spot, but let's be real. Are we really interested in being, having a comfortable base camp? Mm, yeah, no, it, it, like for me, I used to be the, go to the furthest I can on the road, get to the trailhead and always be bummed out that there's other rigs there. Like, okay, I'm going to hike further. Hike. Shouldn't uh, bum me out anymore, huh? No, no. Why? I'm like, because I, I know where not to go. It's, it's easy. I can look at that and be like, okay, that's where the pressure is going to be. I'm going to stop a mile back. I'm going to go up over this ridge. I'm going to get off trail. I'm going to learn how to check snow layers. I'm going to learn how to check deadfall, beetle kill, like it completely changed how I'm accessing my elk, elk hunting, the territories I'm headed. Uh, if you see your base camp during the daylight, I think it's because you just packed out the last load of your elk or you realized you need to get the heck out of this spot and go to plan B or plan Z. Yeah. If you're at base camp, wind's blowing. If you're at base camp during the daylight and it's because you wanted a ham sandwich out of the cooler. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. I just think, um, like Mark says, that's just the, what's the opposite word of odds multiplier. That's an odds depreciation factor. Like you're just, it's not that you can't get away with that. And I'm not like standing on a soapbox. Please don't get it twisted. I'm a student of elk hunting, but I do know without a doubt, 
most times you're not going to kill an elk at base camp. And so if you can just slowly over a 10 day hunt, spend less time at base camp during daylight hours, that's really going to give you more opportunity to pop. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had my head down kicking rocks on a trail thinking, I don't know how the hell I've ever killed an elk. This hunt sucks. I suck or I missed or there's a monkey on my back or something. And then a bull rips within a hundred yards of me. And it's like, Oh shit, the game's changed. Like I'm back in the game. How do you stay positive on your hunts? Uh, you know, honestly, I, there, there's two things that, um, that make me stay positive. One, I know that I only have so many hunts left. Like I, I've been struggling with joint knee issues, back issues and all this stuff. And I can still get, get out there, but I'm like, Oh, there's only so many seasons I've got left in me. I've got to take advantage of every moment. And and so for me, you've always said September's finite. And I feel like I finally, like, that's, like, ingrained in me now. I feel that every step in the woods. The other one is I look at the sacrifice that I'm taking away from business and family and mm-hmm. everything in real life. And I'm like, you know... I have a I have a responsibility to myself, to my family, to everybody everybody that's depending on me to make the most of this. And um, I'm out here, like I'm out there to kill an elk, but I'm also out there to like get right with the Lord. Like it is my season of life where I wrestle my demons. And mm, yeah, um, so. And yeah. you have quite a few demons. I, yeah. As a ginger, you know, <laughs> not having a soul, there's a lot of space for demons in my life. Um, let's be honest. No. That's um, funny. No, it is a good time to get quiet, be still, not be distracted. Not be distracted in this world of distraction. Even if you're, I know you're out there, you, you set out to kill an elk, right? And you're, you're giving it your best. But no matter what elk hunting you do, there's a, there's some downtime in elk hunting and that's, I don't think that gets talked about enough. Like you're not chasing a bugle all day, every day. I mean, if you are great, you probably have a, a hot cow who squirted and things are getting rowdy, but more like even I was thinking, looking at Jake here, like there was a lot of like waiting for elk to make their move. So we're taking naps and Jake and I take turns like who's on point watching and who gets to take a nap. And there's just not a lot of time there to to kill out but you know there is a lot of time for to think about your decisions <laughs> that you've made up to yeah. this point in your life to think yeah. about uh how much your, your family is sacrificing so that you can do this self-absorbed thing called elk hunting um that's some real that's some real stuff you could think about your walk with god how the, how that's going because it is a relationship is it is it dormant um is it on fire um uh, does it involve any actual thicket of others besides yourself? Like how much time do you spend in prayer for others? Um, how do you prioritize that prayer list? When do you make time to do that? Um, it's not like you're taking the new Testament with you and like having a prayer Bible journal session (laughs) in the mountains. And if you are more power to, I know people that do that, but like, I don't do that in the mountains, but I do get a lot of quality time to reflect and maybe analyze and maybe even like armchair quarterback your life from the mountains. Is there a better place? Not really, man. You can't get away from, you know, I think we can get busy in life and it's easy to hide from ourselves, hide from, you know, our demons. Like, let's be honest, we all fight demons. Um, but you get out there, you get beat down. You're you're in week eighteen of a of a fourteen day hunt, or or day eighteen of a fourteen day hunt. Like, and you're 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 killing yourself. Like, you can't hide. It's just you and you and God out there. And and so, um, 
yeah, man, that's, that's my moment to, to really kind of filter through who am I, what, what type of husband am I, what type of father am I? Um, and, uh, I like, it's probably my, my, the most like impactful time of year for me, transformational, transformational. Not to mention your wife, Heather probably was around you leading up to hunting season. <laughs> and I don't know about y'all, but right before hunting season, like I'm literally invincible. Like there's not a honey list due. Like there's not a like a honeydew list that I can't crush seven days prior to elk hunting season. Like last year, I still like we put a fence in and I poured a driveway just a couple of days before I had to go, and I still had to pack. Didn't fade me because that carrot of I'm going to go chase bugles. But Heather probably understands that she can get a lot out of you right before hunting season. I mean, you built your freaking house oh, well, all the way up to it, building, yeah, or building, <laughs> but. She also, and maybe she doesn't understand this yet, but they're getting a way better version of you, of their dad, of her husband, postseason. Talk about that for a second. We'll end there on how important it is to not come home and be an asshole. You've been gone for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever. It's really your time to shine and show them that they're getting the best Jeff when he gets home. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I'm still working on that. Like it's... it. I have my moments, that's for sure, where uh, she would say, yep, I qualify as an asshole. Um, And uh, honestly, for me, um, that's that that, like come to Jesus moment I have out there in the woods. And I I come home from that hunt and I have to be real. Like I didn't have good father figures growing up. I never had healthy merit relationships or like what a good relationship looks like. None of that stuff. And so... um, you know, this community right here is what I use because a lot of us share the same exact values. We're all trying to be, we're all trying to be better in our lives. We're all trying to be the men that we're called to be. And so, um, you know, elk hunting has changed me, especially the last five years coming along on this journey with you, man. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure what to say. Yeah. Oh, that's real. That's totally real. So guys listening, it's about what you do leading up to the season. And then it's almost more important the second you come home that you utilize that time that Jeff was referring to as far as being still, getting quiet and listening to the creator if you believe in that, to do something about it when you get home with your actions, not your words. Um, I know that elk hunting is introspective. At the end of the day, you're not chasing bugles all day long. It's not as sexy as you see on YouTube. There's a lot of downtime. Make it make you better. That's what we're saying. Next up is Jeff, uh, Jake Webb, who I just freshly hired officially for Elk Shape. So come on over, Jake Webb. Um, this guy's deadly because he knows me as well as Jeff does. Like He's been around me a lot. He knows all my bad habits. He knows when my farts are going to stink, when they're not. Um, I'm just joking. What's up, Jake Webb? Welcome to uh, your second Elk Shape Camp. Uh, yeah, second and a half. So. 2.5. Jake came to Elk Shape Camp as a camper. And this is my version, so you can tell your version. Then Jake wouldn't leave me alone, wouldn't stop asking me, hey, when are you shooting your bow? Hey, when are you going to work out? Hey, when are you going to do this? And finally, I was just like, all right, come work out. He worked out. He kind of worked hard. I was like, ah, that guy's hard worker. Okay, let's go shoot bows. Kind of, he shot and he was pretty committed. And I don't know, somewhere along the line there, Jake's in the squad. Jake's hanging out. Jake's doing this. Jake's going to that. And then we 
tried having him film me in the mountains. I think we did that. And I'm like, all right, this is the ultimate test. I will wear this dude out. I will. <laughs> he will pack his shit and go home. And that did not happen. Nope. <laughs> we, had, uh, we hunted three states with three elk tags, three general elk tags. And uh, that was your first year of actual, like, paid filming work, whatever. Yeah. And now you've weaseled your way into, you own your own business, and you still help me out with elk shape. Yep. That, Did I miss that anything? Year, no, that was the first year that I actually hunted. Technically, I didn't hunt Wyoming. I was just filming you in Wyoming. But that was the first year I ever even been to Wyoming. So, um, yeah, that was a grind. At that time, I think I was 170 pounds and definitely not in the best shape. And my goal for that season was just to keep up with you. That was the plan. So Yeah. I think you did. Yeah. There's only one morning where you're a little slow, but I we you caught up eventually and the day prior we had we had backpacked in, we'd done like three or four days out and we hunted till dark. There wasn't enough elk there. So we took the entire camp down and we hiked all the way out. We didn't get back till very late midnight ish. And then the alarm goes off at four in the morning and we're, we're moving to the next spot and we're going up this long, low, like grade, this, this grade. I don't remember that. It's an old road. Yep. It's just a nice, it's enough grade to where like you can kind of go fast, but you got to watch your pace because you could, you'll wear yourself out and we just grind, 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 grind. And I finally got to the top and you were not behind me. I thought you were behind me the whole time. That was the only day, and that was just for a second. Other than that, man, I couldn't, I couldn't fade you. So I knew you're legit. That's kind of where we started. But um, let's talk about you, man. Like you got this web fabrication, and now you're basically a contract worker for me on photography, videography, and editing. Um, what's your goals? What's your jam? What What are you into? Uh, me personally, like I grew up in the country, um, kind of had a small ranch. So basically, we fixed everything ourselves. Um, so my dad basically taught me everything I know and how to fix things. And um, it just kind of made sense to me. So my entire life, I've been welding and fabricating. And uh, you and Tim have been pushing me for probably the last four years to start my own business. And uh, with COVID and some other things, finally um, decided to jump ship and start that. And I wish I would have done it 10 years ago. So like the one thing that I would say to everybody listening as far as business stuff, if you do want to start your own business, don't wait for money. Don't wait for family members. Don't wait for other people. Figure out how to make it work and just do it because you won't regret it. Um, my entire life. So I have a 13 year old and a 10 year old. And this is the first time I've been able to like wake up with my kids, get them breakfast, take them to school, see them before it's dark at night. So most of my jobs, I'm gone in the morning before they're up and I get home in time for dinner and then they go to bed. So like most of my kids' life, I've been working. So this is like the first time in my kids' life where I've actually been able to spend time with them in the morning, spend time with them at night. And weirdly enough, I'm making more money now working half as hard physically, but a little harder mentally, I would say. Um, you know, getting Tim to teach me a little bit more about cameras um, following you around in the mountains, obviously that's physical and mental. Um, the editing side, I'm obviously getting better at. Um, but for me, filming and editing all that stuff, it's fun. Like it doesn't feel like a job. So I enjoy doing it. Fabricating and welding, um, I do a little bit of remodeling too. That stuff I do because I know how to do it um, and it pays the bills. But 
I, I like welding for myself. I honestly don't like welding for other people. So at the end of the day, um, me, I see myself in five years working for you 100% of the time, and I'll have employees doing my own stuff. Yeah, because you're really good at looking at a job, bidding it, understanding the materials, the labor. You just got to train a few guys, find a couple of Jakes. Yep. You'll be surprised how hard they're fi- they are to find. I've been really slow to hire, probably to a fault, um, but I've only hired two guys, Tim and you, for Elk Shape. Now, when I was I ran a gym, I can't tell you how many trainers I hired. And then I used to manage gyms. I can't tell how many people. I'd hire people all the time. But when it's your business, I am so more, I'm so picky on who I hire. Uh, basically, the only qualifications is I just want to be around you. I like your energy. I like that you're fun and you want to work hard. That's really the, the resume I'm looking for. So if somebody typed on the resume, I'd probably hire them. Yeah. It's like, that's the ticket. I think what we'll do um, is we'll make this a little more interesting is – You've only spent maybe two or three days in the office with me now. What did you think I did for work? And now what do you know that I do for work? Because I think that was funny you said something about that. I I think me personally, I would probably say most people think that you probably sleep in in the morning, probably have coffee, get up around like nine o'clock. You probably go down and watch a couple YouTube videos, do some (laughs) editing, probably take a nap, have some lunch. And then maybe do something in the afternoon. Kids come home. You probably do nothing the rest of the night. I can all tell you that is so far from the truth. So <laughs> usually I don't think I've been to your house in the morning before eight. And you're already up in the office, been working for at least an hour. So by then, I mean, you're up, done your morning shit, got your coffee on the computer, answering emails, editing something, video, podcast, whatever it may be. And um, there's times where we're going 100 miles an hour, and before we know it, it's 1.30, and we haven't eaten anything. Yep. And we're like, damn, okay, let's grab something to eat. Five minutes later, we're back at it. Whether it's, it's not like go sit down and have a nice – we grab our food, and we go back to what we were doing. We eat on the – we eat during lunch. We eat on the fly. Yeah, we, I, I would say that we're doing things while we're eating probably over half of the time. Yep. Or we're planning about what we're doing next, or we're moving into the shop to do something. But yeah, we're not leaving going to Denny's to go grab lunch. Yeah. We're having a protein shake. We're having something that's going to take five minutes, and we're back at it. Yeah, no, it's been exciting having you there, man. Um, we we try. I'm trying to have a stop time at 3 to shoot for an hour and work out from 4 to 5, work out for an hour. I, that is a lot of time that most people don't have, like to set aside two hours every day. And I mean every day, but that's generally, that's kind of how I grade my life quality is if I have an hour to shoot my bow and an hour to work out. Uh, if I don't get those in, I'm just not the best version of me. That's really important. Um, having breakfast with the kids every day at eight is super, super important to me. I don't think I've missed a breakfast with my kids since I started doing Oak Shape. Like that's great. Yeah. They don't know anything <clears throat> different, which is cool. Hopefully someday they'll recognize that's cool. Yeah. Uh, same with dinners um, and just trying to be more intentional. With the family. Um, well, I think it's nice too. So like this last season, we were gone for over a month hunting. I guarantee those times where you're gone and you're not there having breakfast and you're not there having dinner, they realize that. They miss you not being there. So when you do come home, they can appreciate the time you spend with them in the morning and at night. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, no, it's huge. You're a dad. You got girls 
Are any of the girls wanting to turkey hunt this spring with you? Yep. Yeah, so I have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old. My 10-year-old loves being in the dirt, loves playing with bugs, loves shooting her bow, and she definitely is going to be the hunter out of the two. Um, I... So she has a 20 gauge. She has a little pump Mossberg and she shot it before lots of different loads. And she doesn't want to shoot a turkey with her shotgun. She is like set on shooting one with her bow, no! which I commend her Don't to. Don't do it. I, I think that it's great. The problem is the poundage that she's shooting, it's not going to kill the turkey. Right. And she just, she loves shooting her bow, which I think is cool. Eventually she'll be able to kill a turkey with her bow, but n- not yet. Yeah. No, that's exciting. And we have a lot of turkeys in Washington, a lot of opportunity. I'm really excited to listen to Robert Hanneman tomorrow, and we'll hopefully get him on this podcast for you guys, discuss the youth opportunities, because I'm at that ripe age where I really, I've, he's mind-blowing smart on all the youth opportunities, and there's a gaggle of them. I know Jeff's going to be interested. Mark's interested. Like, we're all dads, and we want to get our kids as much opportunity as possible. Well, at the end of the day, if you can get points for your kids, you can get them on animals it's all meat in the freezer. I don't care if my daughter shoots an elk and I don't. That's meat in the freezer for the family. Yeah. And I wish I would have started hunting at that young of age. Um, so my kids definitely are going to have a, more of a benefit than I did growing up. Um, but no, I think teaching our kids where food comes from is super important. Yeah. Let's finish with this story. So was I, I think this was your oldest daughter shared with a classmate that Okay, hold on. I gotta get this straight because <laughs> this is some bullshit. Uh, okay, why did you go to the principal's office with your daughter? Let's just start there. Okay, so she was how old is she? I think she was eleven. I took her turkey hunting. I mean, guys, we live in Washington State. Just, just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> That's probably the only reason this happened. So I think she was eleven. I took her turkey hunting. Um, I shot a turkey. Um, with my bow and, you know, they just don't fall over and die. So they're flopping around doing their thing. Me personally, I like to try to kill everything as ethical as I can. So I'm not going to put another arrow in and shoot a turkey again. What I do, what I was taught to do is you get up, you walk over, you stand down kind of on the base of their neck and you just kind of stomp on their head until they stop moving. So my daughter witnesses me doing this. Goes to school and tells one of her classmates, hey, we went turkey hunting over the weekend and basically explained how I killed this turkey. And apparently the girl went home and told her parents and it like traumatized her to the point where I had to go to the principal's office and explain to them like we went hunting. It was going to die, but I didn't want to see it sitting there flopping around. So that's how. And now the parents were there too. Oh, yeah. So. I'm I'm the asshole in the room. I can tell you that. It's a female, not to be an asshole and sound like a dick, but it's a female principal. My daughter's in the room. The girl's in the room, my daughter's friend, and then her mom and dad. My ex-wife decided not to come, which right. is probably a good thing. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. So y'all walk in and you are the bad guy. Now, no, but no other adults in the room nope. buy meat from the store? They're uh, all vegan? Oh, yeah. No, they all buy meat from the store. None of them are hunters. They all think you just go to the grocery store and buy meat. That's where it comes from. So they just kind of thought it was weird that you hmm? killed your own food? I, I kept my cool, and they, they realized my daughters wear all my Matthews gear to school. Yeah. They wear camouflage gear to school. They all know that I'm 
a hunter. Yeah. They realized that. But I think it was just, it was too gory for this daughter, you know, at 11 years old to realize that that's how you kill animals. Yeah, man. There's, there's counties across the country that close school down because it's deer season, especially in the Midwest. I just think, I think sometimes we lose our, we lose our way as we're more conveniently thriving as human beings. I mean, it's not that hard to stay alive today. Like today, did you guys have to work hard to stay alive so far? Ain't nothing trying to kill you. All your food was served nice and warm while you kicked your feet up on your couch. Well, we and that's just soft is what we are. So one of the things that I think, you know, when you're gone hunting for as long as most of us hunt, you appreciate a lot of things, whether it's God, food, family, Running whatever water, it is. a toilet. Yeah. So when we're out toilet hunting, paper. the things that I am grateful for when I get home, it's like, damn, a nice hot shower, a toilet, toilet paper, all Clean these underwear. amenities, like yeah. no bugs, clean underwear, like all those little things where I can tell you this morning when we got up and we had breakfast and we got dressed and got ready to come here, we all take for, uh, you know, uh, we all take for granted mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. That's a cool component of hunting. A lot of people don't think about is man, it really puts things in perspective yeah. when it comes to how good we got it. Yep. So, all right. Well, guys, we're going to take a break from podcasting. We still have Jason Phelps, Iron Will Bill, Joel Turner, Robert Hanneman. We got four more studs. We'll get on here 10, 15 minutes per guy. Greatest podcast ever. BlackOvis.com is where I buy all my gear. I use the discount code ELKSHAPE. It takes 10% off. Very few exclusions apply. Shipping is fast and free. They're already great prices. And when it comes to getting your gear in your hands early 2022, it's never been more important. Number one, supply chain issues. Number two, inflation. Don't wait. Your prices could go up on everything. And number three, get the gear in your hand. Test it and vet it before the season. Black Ovis offers clothing, footwear, optics, gear, archery, camping, several different brands, lots of SKUs. We've partnered with them because we believe in them. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE, save 10%. TheElkCollective.com is a website that I started with John Gabriel several years ago. We wanted to create a digital, virtual, educational learning platform where you could watch videos and learn how to elk hunt. Learn specific tactics from several different subject matter experts who hunt in different states. If you're an elk hunter, you've signed up for being a student for life. So join The Elk Collective and get going. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE podcast, all one word, and save 20% on your annual membership. NUMA Outdoors, I partnered with them over a year ago, I switched from Sika Gear to Numa Gear. This brand believed in Elk Shape, and I believed in them. I tested their gear before partnering with them, and I was really impressed. Numa has an entire line dedicated to Out West, and here's your lineup if you're in the market. Get yourself the Base Haven Base Layers, the Pursuit Pant with the knee pad that is removable. These are breathable, athletic, good four-way stretch pants that'll help you maneuver and be athletic in the mountains. For a top layer, I recommend a Renegade short sleeve, long sleeve, or quarter zip with a mid-layer Alpha verdicts jacket or vest and always have a palisade puffy in your pack to wait out storms use the discount code elkshape 20 to save 20 percent off your first purchase from numa outdoors faru international this is the best backpack on the market in my opinion first things first get yourself the duplex light frame then you can attach any bag that you want i have several bags in my arsenal but my top three are going to be the hoodlum the hoodlum is i'm going to use for anywhere from a five to seven day hunt i can pack out an elk with it easily and i can organize my gear the next pack of choice is going to be the 22 mag a little bit smaller than the hoodlum this is more of like a two or three day effort perfect for the elk hunt perfect for the elk mountains perfect for getting around and keeping your gear organized last but not least is the new hellbender this is the striker xl on steroids this is a pack that i'm going to be using exclusively in 2022 elk hunts all three bags fit on my duplex light frame and with kifaro you can customize your setup with accessories 
I generally run on my right hip the water bottle pocket Gen 2 for my Nalgene, a small or medium belt pouch, and generally a small, medium, large pocket somewhere on the bag. You can also backfill with the Sherman pocket or guide lid. And inside my bag, I organize all my gear with Kufire ultralight pullouts. When it comes to sizing your frame, the belt, the straps, they have great customer service. Just pick up the phone, give them a shout, tell them Elk Shape sent you, talk to their customer service representative, get the exact size you need, buy once, cry once, and enjoy the best hunting backpack on the market. All right, so I brought Jason on. I said I would. Here he is. Hi, Jason. How you doing, Dan? Dude, you got out of the house today. I finally. I, I actually appreciate it. Maybe you should sign me up for all these things next year. Dirk would probably like that. <laughs> He's had enough of me. Um, that was good to see you back out there kind of in the classroom doing your thing, especially like Oregon, Washington. This That's where we're at. That's where you learned to help. Yep, yep. That's kind of where Phelps started. Yeah. Pretty yeah, the, crazy, the right? Grassroots. Got my roots here. Do you like um, being like just back in the classroom with like the normal people or did you miss out on some really cool like conference calls today that you could have attended? I, I, I missed out on probably like four and a half hours of Zoom meetings today is my guess. How many Zoom meetings do you do a week? I would say average three a day, so 15 in a normal normal week. Okay. And you're in PL. Big city. Yep. Big Six, city. 640 of us there. 640. Dude, you sold your company. You, you did some cool stuff, right? You're still back, You're still in PL. It's still not like there. you, well, we're moving to Montana. No, no, no. Lampers. no I, do, I do think about moving to Montana like seven do. or eight times a day, but I'm yep. um, still in PL. Uh, your kid's back in school without masks or with Finally. Masks? Finally. Yeah, one same week, here. One week we've been back with masks. Finally. Thank Pretty God. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I'm yeah. so tired of so that stuff. So excited for my kids to not yeah. have to. That's what, you know, my daughter, she's like, I haven't seen my friends' faces for two years. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah, and I didn't bring you on to talk about that stuff. But, it, no. I mean, I know it's on your heart yeah. as well as yeah. mine. It's yeah. like, just cool. How old are your kids? 10 and 12. Dude, so everybody's hunting, I would assume, at this just point? Just a boy, yeah. The the daughter's halfway through her hunter's ed, but she gets kind of into it and then out of it. And the boy was able to, to go to Montana last year and kill his first buck, little four point, so he's stoked. Are you guys going to no. try to do that? Make that an annual deal? I think so. Yeah, yeah well, we can. Well, we can get there. Except for I'm going to have to like knock his ego down a little bit because he I, he's like saying things like I'm better than my dad. I got the, you know I'm like already. Oh, oh yeah, Sheesh. we're going to we're gonna have to knock. I'm not afraid. Like I'm not afraid to put my kid on my own kid in his own place. You seen that? Yeah, reject yeah. reject them when they try to lay yeah. it up. Yeah. Uh, you work with Dirk a lot. How often yeah. do you and Dirk talk a day? Or text uh, three or, or four times at least. Uh, phone calls probably. Two or three, and then lots of texts. Okay. Um, How would yeah. you grade his performance uh, since you're his boss? Oh, he's he's a stud. Yeah. He, uh, I feel bad because like it's weird like having a friend is like somebody that you you're the boss of, and so I always feel bad like, hey Dirk, I don't mean to give you any extra work, but can you handle this? So <laughs> it's just a weird dynamic, you know, going from. But no, he's a he's a superstar. Knocks knocks a lot of that stuff off my plate. That when was the first time that you guys actually got to hunt together? First time me and Dirk ever hunted would have been um, 19 in Colorado. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember that, huh? Born and raised. We oh. were born and raised on that. Um, but you guys weren't actually together. For together. a couple of days. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. We were there for, we hunted like the first four days of that one. Was he working for you at that point? No. I think he was still night force at that time. Okay. Uh, when did you realize, I want to hire Dirk? So Dirk came to me. I don't. Hopefully, I'm not letting any of his 
the cats out of the bag. But Dirt came to me, um, had went to work for Night Force and got into their marketing department. Yep. Had a supervisor that didn't necessarily see eye to eye with. And uh, there were some other opportunities. And so Dirk said, hey, I, you know, this is what's going on. Is there any ability for for uh to come work for phelps and i kind of looked at the numbers and you know this is that was my i was scared to death like the growth as a guy that you know like picking up a, a salary like dirks and super nervous i'm like well i tell you what dirk i can give you like a base salary and then let's do like commission on on your calls you know works great for both of us if if you 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 know unlimited you know it's on you and he was all for it um, you know, it was a little bit of a reach for him to know that the base, yeah. out, but you know, came in, knocked it out of the park and, and, it, and, you know, one of the better decisions I ever made. I, yeah, that's really cool that you, you know, are honest yeah. about the scary part of scaling. Oh, oh, it's, I don't like it one bit. Like that's scary. That's, that's maybe the best part about selling the business is like, Oh, I don't like it. Was, it the, the you know, the, the wages and making sure that like, if the company ever even goes backwards a little bit, like I don't want to lay anybody off. Like it's just not my personality to deal with that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm nice. It's nice now that somebody else pays the the wages and I can just focus on running the company, which is great for you. Um, scaling is definitely inevitable. I, I think you made, I, I think you made a really smart move there. Like, yeah, you probably got him a salary that you weren't sure your hope. I mean, you knew you were taking a leap of faith there, but then you also set up an incentive that benefited you both. Yep. And then um, kudos to Dirk for yeah. like going for it. Yeah. And chasing yeah. what he's yeah, really a lot of risk about. on both sides, but it, it worked out. That's like, I didn't know that. That's yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's see what else. Well, I'm trying to get people inside the look. So you, uh, Phelps, you have a, you took over a podcast. Yeah, I know yeah. you're right. Really stoked about that. But yeah. what is the name of your podcast now? It is Cutting the Distance. It's a, a meat eater based podcast, and um, I think we're two episodes in. I've recorded ten or whatever. I don't know. I've lost track, but it's going good. Um, and I really wanted to leverage the idea that I've, you know, I would call myself a, an expert in elk calling, but maybe not an expert in, in bear calling or an expert in deer calling, you know, pretty dang good at Turkey, but I wanted to take my understanding of what I do with elk and my understanding of what I do with Turkey and then go get the, the guys. Um, you know, it's, it's a podcast based on tips and tactics that, you know, there's, there's no sugarcoating it that is meant to help you kill your target animal. Um, whatever that may be. Um, you know, so it's, it's going and finding the right guys, the, 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 you know, I wouldn't even say the industry expert, but like the world expert on wild turkeys, on black bears, on whatever species it is that people want to know about. And then interview them from my perspective on, on what I know. And then basically, you know, give, give everybody out there the, the best information that, that I can think of that's, that's known of. And, um, yeah, so it's a, a tips and tactics, which is right up my alley. Like if I'm going to do a podcast, it better be very technical and not a, not a whole lot of entertainment value. So I, I think, um, staying with that theme, um, that's just your personality yeah. too. Yep. being technical, kind of getting to the meat and potatoes. Yep. Uh, if you want to have entertainment, maybe listen to, well, as far as the meat eater lineup goes, you can always listen to Steve. He's yep. pretty, pretty fun to listen yeah, to talk. Yeah, entertaining. Yep. He's got, he articulates and, and obviously he's a, he's a writer. Yep. It doesn't suck to be a, I wish I was as smart as Steve. <laughs> sometimes I wish I, I'm glad I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of pressure, goes. I think, if you yeah. have to be smart like that all the time. He's smart. Now, you hunted with um, Steve. Yep. Uh, you've hunted with Yanni. Yep. Who else? Cal? Not Cal yet. Okay. Um, and then we just did the Duck Lore Project with Meat Eater, which is my first duck hunt ever in our home state of Washington there in the- What do you think? 
it's it was awesome. You get to pull a trigger a lot, which is if that's what you're after, it's you know a little bit more excitement. Um, yep. You know, and and I had had goose before and was not a fan. Right. Um, ducks, damn good. Really? Oh yeah, I was super impressed. And once I got over that, I was going to eat duck at medium rare, like a bird. You know, because you don't eat chicken at medium rare. No, you, you do not. But like to have a, a bloody duck when you cut it open. But man, it was good. Huh? I could see myself eating more of those. Did things. your family try it? No. Okay, I was curious what the kids no. thought, no. or what your yeah, wife yeah. did. Just, just on that hunt, um, fairly fresh, but yeah, really good. Are you allowed to talk about any other projects you're working on, like the elk stuff? I don't know yet. I don't know what this year is going to bring. We got some stuff kind of cooking, but nothing's been finalized or no real right. direction. So, um, I'm sure you know, Soon same enough. as always, two, three, four elk hunts, um, yep. in some sort of a, a project fashion, but who knows what that ends up looking like. Okay. Well, we'll keep you, keep us posted on yeah. your, how, yeah. how frequent are you on your podcast? What's the f- flow on that? Right now we're every other week, every other Thursday. Okay. Um, I think it drops at like eight or 10 Pacific time in the morning. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's been fun. Like I've always been that guy that's not too, uh, you know, I, I like what's comfortable. And so sometimes growth comes out outside your comfort level, which is sometimes I've tried to avoid it, but um, this is a good thing because it's, it's something I'm not, not super And you've been with. on a million podcasts. I bet, yeah, I've been on a bunch of them, but that's somebody else like controlling the tempo and the conversation where it's like, now yeah. it's my responsibility. No, I feel that. Uh, talk to me about your wife still works with Phelps. Yeah. Sondi. Uh, what's that like working with your wife, man? Uh, she's, she's like, you, you know, everybody's watched the Tasmanian Devil. Like it's that, but in a little more controlled fashion, but you just like stay out of her way. Like she's, um, you know, everybody always kind of jokes and this is not to be taken out of context, but we kind of joke that she's the boss, but I would say I have to define boss. Like she's the one that makes sure all the employees know what they're doing. She's the one that makes sure like the orders get entered. Like she's just, you know, kind of the, the gear that runs the company. You know, I get, I've got more of a, uh, a design role now. Um, a little bit of just managing the company, which I'm out of the day to day. So it's like, you know, between her and my business manager, Corey Paulson, like they're, they're now in control, uh, of making like the day to day operations role. And then Dirk does the marketing, all the social email stuff from Idaho. So obviously Phelps game calls, uh, are we going to see more specific calls for different species, uh, down the road? Like for example, I'm a pretty like dedicated bear hunter. Yep. Like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm kind of a big deal when it comes to bear <laughs> yeah. hunting. I'm joking, guys, but I've, yeah, I've done. I got a lot of time bear hunting. I've yet to like try calling one in. I've never really needed to yep. do that, but I would really like to have that in my back pocket. The ability, yeah. Have you guys thought? Like, so guys- yeah, we've without getting too much into to, we've yep. got we've got new stuff coming. Okay, um, yeah, on on multiple different species and lions. So stuff we've had in the hopper. That is the one nice thing with like my money versus meat eater money. And I don't mean to say that in a derogatory way. It's just being real. I just didn't have the ability to bring everything that I had on my desk to light where now I do. Yep. Um, so things are just fast tracked where it may have taken me, you know, five years. Now it takes a year to get something that that's ready to go. That's exciting. So it's, it's definitely like taking that weight off my shoulder. Um, get to a little more rapid fire, but yeah. Now, do you, uh, do you see yourself, uh, getting an opportunity this year? 
or obviously in the next couple of years to return home to you where you kind of started your elk hunting career in We're, southwest Washington? Probably not this year. We've got, like I say, we've got a little bit of stuff on the table, but um, it's definitely something I want to do in the next year or two. Um, and like I say, I don't pay attention to anybody anymore. There was a time in my life where it really bothered me, but it, you know, it's a lot of Phelps, you got to come home. You got to show, you know, this or that. And I'm like, I, I'm, I don't want to be arrogant or, but I'm like, I'm sure I can come home and be fine, but who knows? Maybe. And there's a little bit of me like, all right, maybe you do have to come home and like where you cut your teeth and just do it again. So, uh, um, there's nostalgia there. There like, is. There's some cool stuff yeah. like that. But as far as the actual, no, the tactics, well, no, it's, that's, that's, no, but I do. I, there's a part of me like misses it. Like, since 2000, shoot, 2012 was the last time I archery elk hunted at home. So I'm going on 10 years from like not picking up a bow and hunting in my backyard. Wow. Wow. You know, I've only archery elk hunted our state since we live in the same state. Man, not very many. Th- like last year was the first time I actually, and I went three days. But before that, it wasn't, uh, uh, it was 2011. Yeah. That I actually archery elk hunted Washington. It's a tough state to really yep. get stoked about, but uh, don't get it twisted. Jason and I both tip our hats to anyone who really puts in the effort and gets oh, yeah. it done in Washington. Oh, like, yeah. Mad props, man. It's a, it's a it's a great like it's the, the learning grounds. Like if you can learn to do it in Washington and find success, like you're gonna be pretty all right no matter where you go. True that. True it's, story. Yep. Okay, what's your favorite state to hunt out of? Like we'll put Washington on the shelf, but. Uh, what's your favorite state to hunt to get the, like, just the guarantee bugle juice to, to get the juices flowing, to hear those elk contacting you? Um, you know, I would, well, even Idaho doesn't count. Now, I was going to kind of do it like over the counter, like easy to get tags. I would say Idaho and Wyoming, like it's probably not the answer, but Idaho, my, my Idaho spot was just always good. Like I knew if I hiked another half mile like I was going to run into an elk and get the game going um Wyoming I feel like it's a little bit of a, a wrong answer since I didn't hunt a general yet I only hunted a, a a draw unit yeah um but man the bighorns was just incredible right um like I always tell everybody like even if you don't go hunt like somewhere in your life you should plan a trip to the bighorns just like the cliffy beautiness like it was open made for elk it, it's just it's breathtaking and you know without getting all you know, too sappy, but it's just like, it's a cool freaking place. And then throw elk in it and let me have a bow in my hand. It was just Didn't like the icing the on the same cake. Year? I was 19. Yeah. Hulk, 19. Hulk we both had yeah. a bighorn tag, different units. Yep. Um, both of us killed pretty fast. I was done September 2nd. Were you yeah, done September 1st? Yep. So we didn't get to experience no, it very no. long, but I am telling you, I've been a lot of elk units, a lot of elk areas. That is, that, that was, God made the bighorns oh, for elk. Was, I can, I didn't believe what I was seeing the other night before. Literally sitting there scouting, and we just got, you know, like I tell everybody, go get to a spot where you can, we don't know it, it's a recon mission, be able to see everything you can, and literally have 500 elk in your binos and spotters combined, you're, you're just like, holy cow, like, what do I even do in the morning? You know, but it was, it's that kind of good. Good problem to have, yeah, but, I promise. But they've got it whittled down to where you might get lucky to draw it every, well, now it's 12 years. And by the time I draw it again, it might be 20 years. Who knows? But I've already wrote it off. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going never back. going back. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm general for life now. Same, same Z's. Well, man, I know you got to hit the road. I just wanted, it's been a minute. Thanks for coming down. I'd yeah. love to do, maybe next year get you to do a camp. Yeah. We're, we're downsizing our camps. We might do, I'm just giving you, a, this is one that you would have to go to. We might do an elk-shaped camp 2.0 type thing where it's like you've had to have come to one, yep, next get exposed level. to the foundation, and then if you come to this one, like 
we're coming after you with yeah. every advanced tactic we got. Yeah. So it's just the, because that learning curve or whatever. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to kill an elk with a bow? How many archery seasons? Oh, my first one. You got one on your first yeah. year? It was. I don't know if I should tell listeners this. They might judge me. or, or They're going to judge you no matter year. what. So very first year I called elk in, didn't have a bow. It was the day before season, called in a big bull the night before, went out on opening day, called a bull on opening morning. Like, this stuff's easy, right? This is no problem. <laughs> so I can remember like going through Cabela's back then. I didn't know there was bow shops around. I didn't, I, honestly, yeah. like the only place I see bows in the magazine. Uh, Mom and dad, I want this PSC that's on the cover. You know, I'm like, that's a big spend for him. But they, I was getting old enough. Like, yeah, we'll buy you a bow. Um, get it. I don't know how to put a rest on. You know, it's like no tuning. So if you find a bow shop and get all set up. Um, that next year, fairly similar result, just calling bulls in like crazy. You know, so how old were you? Wait a second. You just walk out in the woods and are like, I mean, I know your whole family elk hunted. But yeah, yeah. We how were, old were you when you just were like, I'm going to go out here and see if I can call an elk in. I was at the local sporting goods store, like a little, you know, it's the Carhartt yeah. sporting goods, like old school sporting yeah. goods store. Bought a Primo's Terminator and a three pack of diaphragms from Shut Primo's. Shut the front door. And that was that the, the night before I called, I'm like, I'm going to take these out here. Pulled up to a landing. We actually spooked a herd of elk that was in the clear cut already. Okay. Waited a little bit. I I think we had glassed some elk like on a faraway ridge, and I decided I was going to blow on the tube, and that bull came ripping back out to the clear cut like he just ran out of. Um, that stuff's easy, you know? And then, so long, fast forward, got a bow. Um, I thought the shooting part was going to be the easy part, and uh, I think I had six bulls I missed in early season. Yeah. Called yeah. all six bulls in the close range. Just arrows flying everywhere. Um, just a disaster. And ended up killing killing a bull in the late season that first year. I had to, I had to get into the, the overtime. And then after that, I realized like it was every day, all day, like shooting my bow. I remember going, I can't even shoot close to that good now, but back then it was like putting little, like they had, my old range had all these carpet that were put together on edge and that yep. was our targets our big block targets and i can remember going up there like pushing dimes in and within a shot or two like punching the dime um and so that's where i like concentrated on my my shooting and then after that it was pretty pretty Dang. smooth sailing after that nice. um, but like i say i can't shoot that good anymore who's a better shot between so you gabriel and durham all shared camp two years ago i know you guys probably got to shoot around each other Who's the top dog? I mean, Dirk are pretty comparable. John, John was, I don't know if he had issues. He was pretty trigger punchy on that, on that, on that. uh, Johnny, I know you're listening. But I'm going to, John, before you start to get pipe up, remember that like 10 year meal, 10 yard meal deer at Northwest Mountain Challenge. You like rocked. We were messing with him so bad. Like, John, don't punch it. And then just pink hit a rocket like a ten year. We we still don't ever let him live. You guys that down. mess with him like oh, bad, fierce. But it's good. It builds a lot of character and <laughs> toughness, and it's good for the guy. <laughs> no, I love John. Yeah, but, he's um, best. I don't know. This sounds really bad. I've never got like overly concerned about my shooting. Yeah. Um. Like, yeah. I'm so competitive. Like bad, bad competitive. Um. I've always thought that like trying to hit the perfect dot would like mess with my mind and like cause some sort of panic. Yeah. So I'm just like, ah, two inches within the circle, that's going to kill an elk all day long. And I keep it at that. That's great. Um, just, and you don't cut your arrows. Fun fact on yeah, Jason yeah, Phelps. Yeah. He shoots a full size full arrow. Length. How far, yeah. How long is that? 32. Yeah. Yep. Not fair. Yeah. What's your draw length? 32. 
Yeah. Wow. There yeah. you go. We're going to end it there. You need to hit the road. But, guys, Jason Phelps, Phelps Game Calls, good buddy of mine, great, phenomenal educator on elk calling, blue-collar roots. So I'm the kind of guy who's on the sidelines cheering for your success. Yeah. You know it, what I mean? Likewise. I mean, all of us. Like, yeah, it, it's cool to see what what the industry and what these opportunities have given, guys. And, and we had a conversation earlier. It's like, man, you give us anything, like hard work's going to prevail. And uh, that's what I love about you, too. It's just like, man, you know, the one thing about Dan, like, you're going to get 110% no matter what he's doing. No doubt. Like, yeah. That's what we can yep. control is our effort. Yep. Cool, yep. man. Well, appreciate you. And maybe we'll see you at a camp next year. Yeah. Thank Drive you. Safe. Thanks for having me. All right. You bet. Yep. Bye. Onyx Hunt, this is the number one digital hunting application. I take it with me everywhere I go on my phone. Download your maps ahead of time and you know differences between state, BLM, national, private. You know where roads are at, terrain features. You can do all your e-scouting from a desktop via the desktop version and have all those waypoints and information transferred to your phone. Having a tremendous amount of confidence that it's not going to crash in the backcountry when you need it most and that you are legally hunting where you're allowed. The Elite membership will allow you to get free access to Hunt Reminder. This is a great app that will notify you when draw deadlines are approaching so that you never miss a deadline. You also get access to rut which has arguably the best draw odds in the business and if that wasn't enough you also get access to hunt and full their digital publication with each state breakdown and analysis so you can plan your hunts ahead of time all this for 99 plus when you enter the discount code elkshade it'll take 20 percent off wilderness athlete this is a supplement company not a marketing company the difference being these guys spend their dollars reinvesting into product development and i have been partnered with them for a very long time they just came out with their new hero which is hydrate energize recharge and overcome all you have to do is add water make sure you pick up a couple boxes of those for elk hunting season as well as hydrate recover energy and focus the green infusion daily multis fish oils probiotics protein powder post-workout pre-workout whatever you need whatever the goal wildernessathlete.com enter the discount code elkshape30 to save 30 percent off your first purchase baku e-bike elite fat tire e-bikes to help elevate your game i use the mule people ask me why do i not use the storm because i hunt out west and i need the extra wattage to get up steep terrain find a dealer near you by heading to baku.com for a quick little demo ride to see for yourself or get yourself a backcountry e-bike a trailer an extra battery use the discount code elk shape to save $300 off your purchase and utilize these e-bikes when you're chasing turkeys, bear, deer, elk, any sort of trail, logging road, where legal, they are an awesome resource for you to get in and get out quietly. And if you have a trailer, hopefully you're hauling precious elk meat back to the truck. Black Rifle Coffee Company. I am a huge fan of coffee. Probably guilty of maybe drinking too much, but I love Black Rifle. It's my alternative to Starbucks. These folks at Black Rifle are pro hunting, pro 2A, veteran owned. I can tell you right now, you guys should check out the coffee club. Join the club and you're going to get free shipping on your club orders. Automatic deliveries on your schedule so you can program it for when coffee should arrive at your doorstep you'll get exclusive discounts from over 50 plus partner brands and you can always tweak tinker or modify your subscription at any time to suit your fancy my favorite all time is the flying elk that should be no surprise black rifle is a huge partner of elk shape they support our message of crushing the elk hunting learning curve and leveraging elk hunting check out black rifle coffee club of the month into the discount code elk shape save 15 percent off and enjoy america driven coffee from a veteran-owned company Joel's making me work when I just want to take a break. I still haven't got a you break. You can take today. a break right anytime there. you want. I don't need a break, Joel. Okay. I rest in September. Well, then That's you don't get any breaks. Uh, Joel Turner, he's been on this podcast before. We're just talking to everybody at the Elk Shape Camp in Oregon. What's up, Joel? Hey, how are you, buddy? Um, good, man. Never been better. Today was awesome. It was. Uh, you ran, man, you ran everyone through Shot IQ. We gave you a little more time than usual. Yeah. How'd it, it go for it, you? It was good. It was still... <clears throat> only able to get them through like one series, but it doesn't take more than one, right? It takes one shot, and then you blueprint it. You understand what you're thinking, what you're saying, that you could stop it, and what decisions you made. And then you just do that for the rest of your life, right? It's not, it doesn't take it. I always tell people shot control is not something that you work on. 
You either do it or you don't. Let's uh, let's let's have you answer your own questions. What what do you like to hear? What do you like to hear your your uh, I guess we'll call it your students because that's really what they are. What were you uh, What were you thinking? What do you like to hear when they, when you ask them that? And specifically, it's what were you thinking after here I go? After they make that conscious decision, so that they're more present, so that they can concentrate on the trigger work, on the trigger movement. So what I want to hear is. I'm thinking about pulling or I'm thinking about squeezing or whatever their shot activation movement is. That's all I want to hear out of their face at that point. And that's kind of leads you into what were you saying yeah, to and yourself. Then and then it's what were you saying? And not only what words were you saying, but at what rate were you saying them? Because how you speak is how you will move. So I want to hear what was your mantra? What words or sounds did you use to give your movement rhythm and timing? And that's, again, after here I go. Because all the stuff up before that conscious decision, it's okay to make that stuff automatic. Get your aim done. Get it done quickly and enjoy it as long as you want to, right? <laughs> right. And then you move on. And then you address that trigger that's closing the door on that aiming room. And then it's here I go. And it's just this sequence of presence. You're making yourself more present and more present and more present. And you know exactly what the next job is, right? right. So, yeah. So that leads to the third question. Oh, I'm supposed to know this. Hold on. Oh, I do. Uh, could you have stopped it? Right. Which means, did you have, were you on autopilot or were you actually slowly or right. whatever pulling or right. whatever you're doing? Yep. Could you have stopped it? Yep. Means that you never went past that threshold of uh, losing control. Right. It's. It means, you know, could you have stopped it? Were you so keenly concentrated? on the shot activation movement, that you could have stopped it anywhere within it. And if you can say yes to that, I used to not think this question was so important. Right. Right? It was just, could you have stopped it? Yes, I could have stopped it. Okay, well, you're in a closed loop. But now, if somebody can say, yes, I could have stopped it, that means that you had enough determination to make a decision so that you were present, so that you could concentrate. That The only way you can get to an affirmative answer on that question is by following all the four fundamentals of shooting. So it's a very important question. Yeah. So, yeah. And your last question, you just say, what decisions? Yeah, what decisions did you make to get yourself in the process for this one shot? And what you will see when we start our original shooting session with these folks, and and I'm being kind of an a-hole and, and breaking them apart, it's all with purpose, but we never see them pause we just see them, they'll even keep talking and they draw their bow back. And I know that they already shoot a weak system if they do that because they don't, they're not making a decision to actually control the shot. They're drawing their bow back and then they're trying to organize things while they're at full draw. Right? And they're, they have that hope and that wonder. They wonder how it's going to go. They hope they do well. There is no outside entity that is going to help you in the middle of a, a shot in a high-stress shooting event. So... I'm looking for that pause. And when we do the, the stress shoot, you see them, you know, they just got done running. They just got doing a certain exercise. And then you see that, that exhale, right? And in that moment, they're making that decision. I'm shooting the shot with control no matter what. It's the original decision. It's the decision that opens the door to the shot control house, right? Yep. It makes their shot process available to them. And then they are able to walk through that house. And then when it comes to they've done their aim, 
They've addressed their trigger. They've preloaded it however they need to. And then it's here I go. That, that critical second decision that fills that critical second after the aim is complete. And it just makes you so intensely present for that movement. Yeah. Yeah. Very, it's very powerful stuff. You know, I've been, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of criticism that I've seen, um, largely on social about, I think they're talking about me, but I can't, <laughs> I'm not too worried about it if they're not, sure. but I'm pretty sure they're, they're kind of clowning the fact that I add this, uh, stress test in the middle of our elk shape camp mm-hmm. uh, and it's not it's not i'm not putting on a show i'm not trying to make cool content i'm trying to expose these guys once they've met with you once they've understood your process i'm trying to provide them an opportunity to have some stress and to have some anxiety and to have an opportunity to utilize what you've taught them or to revert back to their old ways. Uh, meanwhile, also just, just trying to show them that, Hey man, when a bull steps out, when you actually finally get that shot opportunity, there's, there's some stuff that you might want to have addressed. Like things like I saw today, like if you're going to run a slider, you better understand or have practice getting it back to home. Right. Cause in our range today, we set it up in a way that you probably would have to use a slider a little bit. And would you remember to return home in the heat of the moment? We had guys who had to hold it full draw for over a minute. And then they actually had to let down for whatever reason. I didn't tell them to. And they couldn't get their bow pulled back. They, they were overbowed. That To me, that means you're overbowed. And then we had guys who had arrows coming off rests at full draw. And we had guys who arrow knocks would come off the string before they even pulled their bow back. And I was kind of a jerk today. I was like, oh, cool. You just lost an opportunity on an elk. Sure. But all It's real, all, though. It's real. From a shot execution coach, what's your perspective of the stress test? It, it's an absolute necessity because you're giving these people reps. If you don't give them reps and the true skills of bringing their mind back, then it's all fluffy, Right. I mean, this is real stuff. Their heart rate's going to be up. Their perspiration's going to be up. All these distractions are happening. All the physiological changes that happen when you're shooting at a, in a high-stress shooting event, maybe it's a bull elk, maybe it's Vegas shoot, whatever it may be, your body is physiologically changed in a way that, you know, you can control your fitness level, but you can't control how much adrenaline is pumped into your system. There is no dial for that. Seems like a lot of the fine motor control goes out the window. It's gone. It's gone, right? What is that? What's the science behind that? Well, it's just simply once you go to – you start to lose fine motor skill once your heart rate gets to a certain level. You start to lose that. And as you get more physically fit, that level gets higher and higher and higher. We all have that level, but most of us don't get there just because of physical fitness, right? Right. So somebody that's not physically fit is going to get there way faster. They're going to lose that fine motor skill. But all those things can be consciously overridden. No matter how hard you're breathing, no matter how screwed up your fine motor skills are, calm yourself down, talk yourself through that. It may be the movement of knocking your arrow. I mean, how many times have you seen people just stab at their string with their knock and they're not getting it, not getting it, not getting it. And you've got to go, hey, slow down, grab on your arrow, put the knock on there, Make sure it clicks, and they make that happen. And then they got to move on to the next task. But it all requires self-talk because now they're in the cognitive stage of learning, right? And they're having to revert back to that. That's why it's so unnatural. But if they want to be successful, they have to learn how to 
slow themselves down. Some of that comes in with some combat breathing, right? In through the nose for four, hold for four, out through the mouth for four, hold for four. That box breathing, combat breathing, whatever you want to say it, it lowers your heart rate so that you can remain in your forebrain, so that you can think so you can remember, there is a shot process that exists here, right? But if you get so out of hand in your heart rate, you will lose all that fine motor skill. You'll lose your whole shot process. All those things are out the window. They mean nothing to your lizard brain, right? All it wants is results and efficiency. So when you're able to slow things down and make things happen, and then when it comes to the shot process, for you to be able to work yourself through that, by talking yourself through it and making these conscious decisions so that you're more present and then understanding how to concentrate in a high stress event, so powerful, right? And if you get to do all of these things in that one drill, it's perfect. It has to be done. It's absolutely necessary because these people need to learn how to talk to themselves louder than the stress that's coming in. Right, and that is huge for Man, you to be so able to hard. do that. It's amazing. That's cool. Uh, speaking of critics, I've I've heard people maybe criticize you because they've never seen you shoot a compound. They think all your stuff. Um, what does this guy know? He only shoots a you know a real, in my opinion, a real bow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you have to say to that, man? Well, when you have control of your shot, the world is yours. Right? I I can shoot a compound. I can shoot a compound very well. Um. And I don't think I could beat Bodie, but I can come damn close, right? And that's that's good enough for most people. But uh, I don't find that much joy in shooting a compound just because I love to watch my arrows fly. And it's so much of a challenge. I mean, I, I shoot a stick bow. I shoot a long bow. I don't even shoot that in the conventional way. I don't shoot that with my fingers. I shoot it with my thumb, backwards, all kinds of crazy, stupid stuff because I love to watch that arrow fly, right? And I like, you know, when I shoot my thumb, my arrow isn't even on the correct side of the bow. It's on the other side of the bow, right? It's all the match paradox, blah, blah, blah. But it's just a constant challenge because I shoot every single day like you do, but I just love the challenge of it. And I just, and I, you know, I can let Bodie's actions speak for themselves as far as compound skill goes because I do all of his bow tuning and, and, you know, I don't have to sit down and train Bodie, but I, I train mostly compound shooters uh, just because there's not a lot of trad shooters that uh, that are out there, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I wish there was more, but um, some folks aren't ready for that challenge yet, and that's cool. I'm so okay with from that. A, from a business standpoint, with you retiring in a very sh- in short window, we're right. talking days. Yeah, we're talking days, Which buddy. I'm so stoked for you, by the way. Oh, man, um, I'm so excited. Archer shop owners that are listening. I know there's a few of you, uh, other people that if you want Joel to come to your town, like I'm already talking about having you come to my house because yeah. I got a handful of friends that want a lesson. Yep. So we can, we, we can buy you, we can yeah. buy your time <laughs> right? and we can elevate our game. Sure. For those that want to maybe look at a calendar. Um, and I know you're already kind of booking way out yep. in advance. Yep. Um, is 23 even on the table yet or, uh, it could be, yeah. Okay, it, it certainly could be. How do people get a hold of you and look you up to get you in real life? Maybe they, maybe they've taken your course, yeah. And maybe they have enough friends. They're like, dude, let's see if we can get Joel Turner, yep, in real life, not at Elksha Camp, but just yeah, Joel just, Turner. Just email me at Joel Turner at shotiq.com and uh, hit me up with an email. Let me know what you need, and we'll make it happen. It's really cool for archery shops because you get so much more retention out of it because you have these archers that come in. 
And now they understand how to control a shot. Now they understand what it is to pick this release versus that release. Right. And it's not just, they're not just getting that. They come in, they buy a release, they buy all this stuff. Then they're, they're out the door. Now they understand how to use all those things. And now they can start to shoot the potential of things. And it just makes for a happier person. (laughs) You know, I, I was talking to somebody today and, and they really took to heart what I said yesterday that shot control is life control. Right, you are you are controlling a movement that causes an explosion. I know which guy you're talking about because he said the same thing to me. Yeah, that really, man, that struck. His name's Josh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because this is so applicable to fat other facets of your life. I mean, you're literally learning how to concentrate yep. and how to put how to make decisions. Yep. And it's one of the most difficult decisions for the human mind to comprehend to control a movement that causes an explosion, and you're supposed to ignore that. <laughs> nearly impossible right. takes massive amounts of determination and knowing what decisions you need to make when you need to make them and how to carry them out it's so powerful this is not just about archery stuff this is this is so cool i just love it i'll give you one additional plug if you guys are going to book joel ask him to bring a bugle tube and some calls <laughs> he might be able to throw a couple of tidbits your way on that as well so right. check him out appreciate you coming on man yeah thanks buddy you bet are you like me? Do you just love trail cameras? Slightly addicted to them? Yeah, guilty as charged. I work with SpyPoint. They have several affordable trail cameras. Some are going to be cellular. Some are going to be non-cellular. So the difference is being one, the Force Pro, non-cellular, very affordable, extremely reliable, just under $200. Or you can look up the Link S, that's the dark, or the Micro LTE Twin, where you get a two-pack of cellulars. They come with the SIM cards, so you don't need to pay out-of-pocket monthly to utilize your cellular trail cameras. You can download the free app and get your 100 photos a month that you choose. Cell trail cameras are where it's at, where legal, and where you have at least two bars. You're going to get extremely important real-time information, and you don't have to go in and disturb your area, get your scent the ground and bump any animals. I like trail cameras from a biological standpoint. I don't really depend on them to get animals killed, but I do depend on them to understand animal behavior, biology, animal densities, and see if I can focus on patterns where I can take advantage and know how to get in and get out of these places. So I am addicted to trail cams. I love the app. It's bulletproof from SpyPoint. So check out SpyPoint when you get a hot minute or next time you're in the market for a trail camera. If you're looking for cellular, I'm probably going to recommend the Link S Dark over all of them. But if you're on a budget, get the Link Micro Twin 2-pack where you have two cell phone trail cameras working for you under $200. Or if you just want to run normal trail cameras, check out the Force Pro. There's a couple different versions out there. I use the Force Pro or the Force 20 both are really sweet and then last but not least if you already have a trail camera and you want to turn it into a cell phone trail camera they have a product for you called the cell link 59.99 attaches to your existing trail camera you don't have to have a sim card and it will start sending you photos to your phone check out spypoint.com for more information vortex optics a partner of elk shape since 2010 veteran known based out of wisconsin the vip warranty itself that's transferable whether you buy your vortex optics used from a buddy or buy it retail from a store that vip warranty follows your product no questions asked you break it they fix it we're gonna give you guys a quick little tip being a handful of months away from elk season one thing you can do right now, and this tip is presented by Vortex, is that you can start writing on the calendar your hunt plan, the dates that you plan on leaving, so that your wife or your spouse knows what you're thinking ahead of time. Sounds silly, but I used to not communicate very well with my wife and then surprise her right at hunting season and then, hey, I'm going to be gone the entire month. Not anymore. Now, as soon as I draw a tag or have a hunt plan secured, I'm up on the calendar writing it down and going over with it. Even though she's probably gnashing her teeth a little bit at me, at least it gives her plenty of time to plan around and make sure that we are on the same page. Happy wife is a happy life and to hunt your best, things need to be dialed at home. This tip was brought to you by Vortex. Go to Vortex Wear and use the discount code Elkshape to save 20% on your workout scouting gear that Vortex Wear makes. Appreciate you guys' support. Matthews Archery out of Sparta, Wisconsin, rocking the V3X29 and 33. I think you guys know this by now, but I'm pretty much in love with that 29. It fits me like a glove. I like the 33. It's probably my favorite bow to shoot, but when we're talking about chasing elk in the elk woods, I'm going to pack that 29 around. Fits me a little bit better. I shoot it a little bit better. You should go test drive a V3X. I think it's their best product to date, and you can really streamline your setup by using the bridge lock to get the sight in the middle of the riser. You have the new low pro quivers that fit tighter than anything has ever fit to a bow. You can really streamline 
streamline your setup with the new technology from Matthews. Plus, they run the cross-centric cams so you can easily switch out mods. You don't have to switch out limbs if you want to change your draw weight, your draw length, or your let off. All that can be done without a press. Matthews Archery, killing it. And I love shooting my Matthews. I'm absolutely in love. You guys should go check it out at a dealer near you. Iron Will Bill, how are you? Good. How you doing, Dan? I'm so glad that you came to yet another camp on your own dime. Thank you so much. I always mention that because it's the truth. Um, you're here helping me out. I asked you to come because I don't think there's anyone more knowledgeable about the science of arrows and the science of penetration and just all your studies. When are you going to announce what I got to see tonight? <laughs> well, thanks for having me out, Dan. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's always a fun, uh, fun camp, fun group of guys trying to learn more about elk hunting and, and, uh, and you got some great other guys presenting and hanging out with the guys is great. And this location here at the, Get to see the bow rack and getting to see the Wendicott Farms and um, this Eugene, Oregon area is, is pretty cool. So that's part of the reason I wanted to come out too and just see it. It's got it's, some bow hunting history for sure here. Yeah, yeah. It was cool to see, uh, talk to Wayne and see all the all the all his old bows and all those animals and hear the stories. So that was a fun time. Yeah, he's got a museum literally in his house, at his house, like, an, like a bow hunting, muse, like a legitimate museum with publications dating back into the 30s uh, uh almost every bow that you could ever imagine that was invented uh it's pretty cool and then his trophy room and stuff like that and pictures articles wayne's a legend he's a legend um and shout out to wayne for letting us come here man honestly that was he got a hold of me and said hey man i see you doing these camps you should think about coming to our our farm we'll host you and they've been really awesome to work with but yeah man like um you handed me six wides, 125s. I'm going to use them this spring on bears. Yeah. I have an Alaska bear hunt, and then I have Idaho. Um, we're going to get some in the hands of the guy who won the hunt, and then he's bringing a friend, although I don't think his friend is going to bow hunt. So we're just going to get him to use the wides. Um, we're going to get that guy to use a wide in Idaho, Jake the Web, and Producer Tim. And we want to... We want to use them because of what we saw they did last year with Brandon McDonald's right. bear. Brandon's an awesome archer. Um, he 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 was left undetended uh, and was doing a ground and pound on a bear. So we had a bait barrel set up, but no tree stand. And we told him to sit about three or five hundred yards off just to keep his wind out of there. And uh, we we had the bait out for like a week. I did honestly didn't know. I didn't have a camera on it. I didn't know what was hitting it. I just knew bears were hitting it. And he self-filmed a stock uh, where you sneak in on the whatever the trail to the bear whites at the bait. We call it ground and pound. So it's kind of a hybrid spot and stock. And uh, I think you made a 50-yard shot with your wide. And I'll be honest, man, I saw the footage before on a little screen of a DSLR. And I was like, oh, wow, that was an incredible shot. It was a frontal on okay. a bear, which are tr- a little bit trickier shots. Um, 50s kind of a little bit further than maybe you want to do but he did it and the shot looked true we walked over there and the blood trail was like immediate which you know bears yeah they can be tough sometimes they can be kind of tough not like yeah. tough like no i mean the the blood the amount of blood getting on the ground can yeah. be hard sometimes with all the hair and the fat and they just got right? the fat and the sponge hair that yeah. soaks everything up not this bear yeah i like the wide for bears just opening up that hole bigger and wider um helps get more blood on the ground and I don't think he would have got that bear based on the shot without a wide. I mean, it was able to get an artery as well. 
that ultimately led to that bear's, you know, demise. And uh, I was like, wow, that's cool. Anything that can kind of help aid you, because uh, bow hunting is not perfect. Anyone who tells you it is is lying to you. Anything that can kind of give you a leg up, whether it's the, the penetration of the wide or just the cutting diameter alone. And it's got bleeders on it too. So, I mean, it's... right. Yeah, it's an inch and three-eighths wide main blade and three-quarter-inch wide bleeder, so two and one-eighth-inch total cut. So Pretty good. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to using them. And I shot them actually in practice quite a bit um, last year. And I, I darn near almost – I did have one in my quiver at all times, in fact. And I had a single bevel in my quiver last year as well, which I ended up getting to use um, on a bear – on my second bear in Idaho. And that was, that was probably what I'll talk to you about is – it was it was weird, Bill. Like I, I shot this bear quartering away, like severe quartering away. It was a really good shot. I mean, it went right into the hip, came out the opposite shoulder. Um, I was using X Impact. Uh, the arrow did break, uh, but it did its job before it did. Um, broadhead didn't break, and uh, when I opened that bear up. Obviously, I didn't get both lungs with that shot angle, but I did get through one lung and liver. And it just, I was kind of like, when I did my autopsy, I was like, I've never seen that, what what that broadhead did. I've never seen that before. So I was like, it was like it made hamburger out of the liver, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it that, wasn't a perfect single belt triangle. Rotate as they're going through, um, you know, it opens up a bigger hole in the hide. But then also through the organs, it's like it... It's like it twists them up as it's cutting them. And the, and the wound channel is just different from anything I've ever seen as well. That's got to be in our favor to run a single bevel based on what I saw. Yeah, I think it's, it's doing more trauma. And what my impression with what I've seen with that, it just seems like it's hurting the animal more and putting them down, down quicker. Um, you know, I'm still a big fan of our S-series, our double bevel, but... Um, the single bevel, the the wound channels are are pretty compelling. That that's a good head for sure. We we went over to Cameron's tonight. Cam Haynes, um, you gave him a present. You probably don't can't talk about it, but I'm here to tell you. I mean, he might show it. I don't know if did you remember to tell him not to show it. Um, no, you know that that's okay. That's our um, our hundred grain single bevel. So we we did a one twenty five on up last year. Really popular, so we added uh, a left bevel version for those people shooting left fletch. And then, um, yeah, our next head that's, that's going to be launching here soon is our, our single bevel 100-grain head with bleeders. it's with a bleeders. solid, right? Yeah, it's a solid blade, 100-grain um, head. So What's the blade angle? It is, um, on the single bevel, that, that grind angle is a 32-degree bevel. Yeah. So it's a little bit... Um, stronger i'd say than in other single bevels out there and that can be a that can be a weak point on single bevel with all that pressure on one side um they can be more likely to to get some edge damage on them so i found that going up from a 25 to up to a 32 made that edge strong enough that it's it's popping through um strong bone and and keeping that edge looking still look still looking new so looking good so uh yeah we'll be those will be available sometime in April. Oh, that's, yeah. This podcast won't even be out by then, so that's good. Uh, they'll be out by the time you guys hear this, which is great. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, I sat there 
And um, so I drove you over to Cam's and I just kind of sat there and listened to you guys kind of hash it out. I've never, I mean, I know Cam for a long time. So have you, but there's just, I just never met anyone as psycho as him about every little particular detail, which is cool because he's very successful at everything he does. And I just think you got to emulate some of the stuff you see. And if you're going to emulate Cam Haynes, you, you certainly should emulate his work ethic because that's undeniable. But, Dude, he knows a lot about archery. He's pretty obsessed. He's pretty well-read. He's pretty calculated. And I think there's a reason why he reached out and you guys met up tonight is he's looking for every advantage. Yeah, he, you know, he's like me in that he obsesses about his gear and it being as, as good as possible and, um, and always trying to get better and make it better. And, um, yeah, I appreciate Cam. I met him maybe 15 years ago at a, at a Denver sportsman show, and it was just when his backcountry bow hunting book came out and, and, you know, he, he took the time as before he was, you know, as famous as he is now, but he took the time to sit and talk to me for a half hour about backcountry hunting. And, uh, it really kind of inspired me, inspired me to go deep into the wilderness years after that. So I appreciate, um, you know, just, just, I think he's a really good guy. I think he works really hard. And, um, and I'm just happy to help him out to try and get better in anything he does. So It was cool to hear you tell him how much he inspired you. I know he gets that a lot, but I know he doesn't take it for take it lightly. I know that uh, I'm in the same boat. Like I, I remember just getting into bow hunting in 2001, and my personality is all or none. So at age 20, I was like, okay, I'm a bow hunter now. So I just went and bought a bow. And then I went and bought every DVD that you could and VHS on bow hunting that I could find. I still have them. So that's why, I mean, it's insane amount. And then I also bought, subscribed to every publication. And one of those was Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Yeah. And his writing, like the very first time I read anything he wrote, I was just like, this guy's talking to me. Like this, this is like his, he penned out some inspiration that was like just no one has ever done before for me. And I was like, ah, fired me up still does to this day so that's that's cool that we both have been inspired by the same guy and i'm sure there's many more with a similar story so that's cool um where do you go from here you got any hunts coming up oh i do i've got um i'll go down to, to texas and uh do some hog hunting down there and uh probably shoot some turkeys as well and then i'm off to saskatchewan for a bear hunt in may so looking forward i've been uh that trip got, you know, called off the last two years. Two years. Yeah. Dude, the hunting's going to be so good. The bears are going to be giant up there. I mean, there was there was big bears two years ago there that really wanted to get on, and um, and nobody's really hunted them. No. Not too many locals up there. Um, nope. Are, are going for these big bears? So yeah, I've been I've been seeing photos for two years and wanting to get up there to go after some of Dude, these. Dude, this giants. is the year. I'm telling yeah. you, that's. I'm so excited to see. Uh, we'll have to do a post bear report on that because that'll be cool. Are you testing anything? You can't. The, are you testing anything on any of these upcoming hunts, as far as R and D goes, or are you just doing your thing? Um, I'll be doing more testing of the of our single bevel hundred grain. Um, it's you know it's similar to our one twenty five that we came out with last year. So I did a lot of. I've done a you know two years of testing on that and yep. killed a lot of animals last two years with that and I'm, I'm very confident in the design um and i tested some prototypes of the hunter grain it'll just be more testing with some more guys on with that head just to get you know more results on it yeah, yeah. well thank you again for making it to camp i know you sacrificed resources and time so i appreciate i appreciate you and um uh, 
guys, check out Iron Will Bill. He's the real deal. Iron Will Outfitters. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, go to the website and always reach out to Bill. He's like literally down to talk to anybody. So if you have any questions, send them his way and uh, he'll get back to you. So appreciate you. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dan. You bet. Okay, friends. Hope you enjoyed that episode. That was awesome to have everybody on there. I appreciate you guys' support. You do have a lot of options as it pertains to podcasts. So thanks for choosing ours. I appreciate it. Separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. My neighbor, in 2020, I completely buried a knife into my hand, and it was not a fixed blade. It was one of those scalpel replaceable ones that break real easy, and I buried it so deep that I actually, the doctor recommended surgery, which I might have, should have listened, but I didn't. Anyways, several stitches later, in a week of elk hunting down the drain, I got my hand healed up. Since that day, I've vowed not to use scalpels anymore in the field, and so I've switched back to Buck Knives, tried and true since 1902, made in America, tremendous amount of history. They're also my everyday carry, so you should check out the new Everyday Carry 22 lineup from Buck Knives. They got the 110 Slim Pro TX. That's probably my all-time favorite for everyday carry. You can also check out the 110 Hunter Sport Knife or the 112 Ranger 50th Anniversary Edition. If you're looking for a skinner, I would maybe consider the customizable 113 Ranger Skinner Knife. That's the knife that I customized for all my Elk Shape Camp, Spirit of Elk Shape Camp Awards, and that's the knife that we use to skin all my elk in 2021. If there's a knife out there that you need, they can customize it or you can peruse their website. Buck Knives is a huge supporter of Elk Shape. We appreciate them and we love being their neighbor. Please be careful when you're breaking down your animal and consider switching to a fixed blade just for me. Crispy USA. Crispy Boots. My favorite boots because they don't require any break-in period. For stocking any animal out west it's laponia gtx this is a very affordable boot this is not a 500 boot it's very athletic and it's a quiet boot and it's definitely something that could help you sneak in tighter to animals so if you're a stalker you might want to check out laponia gtx if you're looking for another affordable boot that's perfect for elk hunting it's the colorado gtx i know cameraman jake and myself that's our both our favorite number one boot from crispy it's the one that gets the most use and two is one i have two pairs because i like to switch out boots every day the colorados are not insulated which is great for me to keep my feet from sweating it has board lasting mechanical construction it includes the abss ankle support system which helps propel you forward it's got a four flex rating they're protected with Kevlar triple stitching, polyurethane coated, and leather ran. The height is eight inches, and one boot weighs under two pounds. They're super light, they're fast, they're very athletic to help you keep up with elk. The last thing I want to mention about boots is number one, all your hunting starts from the ground up. Choose wisely. Number two, consider putting sheet feet inside any pair of boots that you rock. Sheet feet are a full length custom orthotic built for your feet specifically. Use the discount code Elk Shape, it'll take 10% off your purchase. I run sheet feet in every piece of boot I wear. I obviously have several pairs of boots, but the sheet feet are always in there. I think they help me leak less energy every stride, every step. They keep my feet strong and durable. And the last thing I would want for any of you hunting is to have foot issues while trying to hunt. Hunt your best, include sheep feet on your must list for 2022.